everyone. It is Dave and Jeff. It is October 2nd, 2023. Jeff, want to start things off with our good friends over at Bright Bail Bonds. You don't hear Bright Bail Bonds on our friend show, but they should probably be there because this guy has a lot of stories, I'm sure, oh, throughout yeah. the years of where guys probably needed them. Look, you might need them too. Jeff and I tell you all the time about the Raider Charger game. We saw some fisticuffs. Some guys better have that Bright Bail Bonds number right in their phone, ready to go. Fabian and Miguel, they're going to help you out. They've written more than 20,000 bonds, so you know you're in good hands. Don't forget, they're very, very fast, professional, everything you want. Here's the number, 888-669-0295, 888-669-0295. I was out with my son yesterday. We're having lunch, Charger Raider Game Zone. And we're at uh, just a local restaurant game zone, and you just start hearing guys chirping. And I'm like, God, where's that number? <laughs> Here it is. Because you just know, not going to be me getting arrested. I hope it's not my kid getting arrested. But the number is 888-669-0295. I can't think of anything worse than the feeling of either being cuffed, being yeah. thrown in the back of that car, Dave, right? Or having that jail cell door slam. And the one thing uh, Fabian and Miguel will tell you, is they can get you out of there faster than anybody in town. And that is the most important thing. They've been doing it for a long, long time. They've been doing it right for a long, long time. Give them a call, 888 669 uh, I said on Wednesday night, we had a guest coming in, and this is great. This is great for us. I really thought today we may have seen something play out with the Padres. Uh, haven't, I too. haven't as of yet, but our friend who has been part of this going back to Bubba's Garage. And now I hope you're following him on social media. Hope you're listening to his podcast. I swear, I think he's had everybody possible on that show. What a Rolodex, but uh, nice enough to be in the garage. Dave, look who it is. It's our old friend, Brett Boone. Hi, Booney. Good seeing you. I may or may not know what it's like to get cuffed. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I was going to say, we protect our but guests, you, Booney. You never know. Well, <laughs> it sounds scary to me. It does. Booney, I'm going to ask you because this is the one thing we've heard all year about this team. And it's one thing that Dave and I have no clue about. And so we're going to defer to you. And the one thing we've heard is team chemistry and the clubhouse and everything else. You played on a bunch of teams, you played on good teams, you played on bad teams. If I asked you to take the best team chemistry and grade it on a scale of one to a hundred, and then I asked you to grade the worst team, the one that underperformed disappointment and graded their chemistry on a scale of one to a hundred, how big a difference are we looking at? Because I think from a fan's perspective, we would say, well, I bet the best team was 90 and the worst team was 10, but I have a feeling the margin's not quite that big. Am I right or wrong? Well, let me put it this way. I've, the best teams I played on was was as good as I could imagine. And until I played on that team, um, I, I wasn't a big chemistry guy. I didn't believe in it. I thought you get the best players and go out there and you beat the snot out of your opponent. Until I played on that great chemistry team. And that was 2001 with that Seattle Mariners. Mm. And we had great chemistry. That group of guys for the next three years, uh, three or four years, and then you know, guys got older, started to move on, and, and kind of broke that that early 2000 Mariners team up played on some great teams. I played on a 99 Braves team. That was great start to finish. It was more of a machine. It was more of a lunchbox, uh, go to work, punch the clock, win a game and leave. And it wasn't great chemistry, but it wasn't bad. 
You know, it was just kind of work workmanlike. I played on some some uh, Cincinnati Reds teams that were really good, uh, and a good group of guys in that room. But nothing like the like the early two thousand Mariners. As far as a team underperforming, you know, in my career, I had some some like I said, some great some great years. And we had some tough ones. Mm-hmm. But there were never a team where I thought, man, I thought we were going to be a lot better than we were. Usually mm-hmm. where we finished was about what we thought. You always have high expectations coming out of spring training. Believe me, when you ask about players, we are as naive as they come for opening day. We can look, assess, and say, you know, we're not as good as that team, that team, or that team. But damn it, we're going to make a difference this year. Yeah. And we're going to show everybody. But usually it comes out, you are what you think you are. Um I really haven't had a, I've been on some bad teams, but there was never bad chemistry. I played on a, and, and a lot of times I think you can give it credit to the guy at the top, the guy running the show, the, the skipper, uh, San Diego Padre team. I played one year, 2000. Uh, we had some really good players. We had Bruce Bochy as our skipper and we weren't very good, but I remember I don't have any bad memories of that year. It was a good group of guys that got along well. We we just we were what we were. Didn't we didn't have enough pitching. We could hit a little bit, um, but it wasn't a bad situation. I've never been on a team that was just so horrible you didn't want to go to the ballpark. So I, I'm really a bad guy to ask when it comes to that. But off the charts, going back to the chemistry thing, going into 2001, you know, asked about chemistry and this. I, I thought it was just. Hocus pocus. I really did. Until I played on that team and I looked around and I just thought, wow, there's something to this. Because I know we're really good. We had gold glovers and MVPs and and batting champs on that team. But I don't think we were the greatest team ever assembled. But we stayed healthy all year. The role players played their roles and and had had, uh, great impacts. And the position players and, and the, the, the the core group of guys in the middle of that lineup all had career years at the same time. So it was kind of the perfect storm, uh, and that chemistry was off the chart. But I, without that chemistry, I don't think we would have been as good as 116 wins. Yeah, That brought us over the edge, and we had a great skipper there, too. You usually find the great teams and and the the fun clubhouse where everybody gets along. Just for people that yeah, didn't know. Yeah, Lou Pinella. I mean, Bruce Bochy. These are classic right. guys. Uh, and they have a lot to do with it as far as setting that tone in that locker room. There's something to be said for that. That uh, I talk often about managers and how much do they really impact what goes on in the field. And I think once that national anthem ends and we start, the great managers will have an impact on the personalities and keeping that clubhouse running smooth. But once the game starts, you need to have that talent. If you don't have the talent, it, it doesn't matter how you can roll Bruce Bochy, Davey Johnson's another guy yeah. I played for Bobby Cox and, and Lou Pinella all wow. up, up into one. And if you ain't got the horses, yeah, you're still going to stink. <laughs> and that's just the bottom line. All right. So the team that you, you went to the world series with the 99 Braves, you're looking at a team much like the, the Padres in sense where you have guys that are future hall of famers. And so with the talk of why did the Padres struggle, that maybe it's too many guys that these are future Hall of Famers and who's the leader and do you need a leader and can you get along that way and still continue to get wins? As you said, the Braves were, you show up to work, you do your job, you go home, we know we're going to go to the World Series. But not only did you have, you know, a Hall of Fame pitching staff, you had guys like you that were established, you had a Hall of Fame manager. Chipper Jones. Chipper Jones, of course. And they were able to do it. Why couldn't the Padres do it? Well, all right, different. Let's take that Braves team. Uh, The one thing that you have to factor for is 
that Braves team of the 90s, I played in 99. They won the division every year. Yeah. So that was a veteran all-star talent. You, you had four Hall of Famers off that team. Maddox, Smoltz, Glavin, and Chipper. And Bobby Cox. And Bobby Cox. You had Brian Jordan on that team. A, a veteran, Ryan Klesko, a young, but young beyond his years, um, Andrew Jones in center field. That was just a professional team, all with a ton of experience, ton of postseason experience. Bobby didn't have to say much. That clubhouse ran itself. Now you go to the Padres of, of 2023. More than talented team, especially on the offensive side. Different, though, with the exception of, uh, with the exception of Machado, who was a veteran, been there, done that. Everybody else is young. Everybody else is young and making a lot of money and get a lot of fanfare. And not being on the ground, I, I've learned one thing since retiring is, yes, I'm close to the game. I talk to the players. I have a little more insight than the average guy. But you really don't truly know what's going on unless you're one of the 26 guys in that room. So those are the only guys that truly know. I don't have any firsthand knowledge of what really went on. But I look, and, and I'm sure everybody, I'm sure you guys are just scratching your head like <laughs> on paper. Let's yeah. see. This is what drove me crazy this year about the Padres. You know, we do our assessment before the season. And I look at this team and I said, wow, that should be the best offense in the game. And that pitching should be solid. Middle of the pack, but they can pitch. They've mm -hmm. got some horses. they got Musgrove. they got you, Darvish, who's had a, just a great career. Hopefully Snell can, can uh, you know, come back. I didn't expect him to win the Cy Young, which he's going to do, but he definitely did that. When you – and they pitched at the top of the league all year and didn't even come close to yeah. making the playoffs. That, to me, made me scratch my head time <laughs> yeah. after time. I'm going, how can you have this offense pitching – the pitching – compared to the expectations I had set for them, they exceeded everything on the pitching side. They still had that offense remained pretty healthy throughout the year. And at the end of the year, it was like, you're not even close. Dodgers, Dodgers beat you by 15 games. Almost 20. Yeah. Almost 20 games. And, and I, it, it left me scratching my head and I thought there's gotta be something going on behind the scenes that we don't see. Now, once again, I have no firsthand knowledge. I'm just going to sit here and speculate on what it could be. You got a lot of young players, egos, a lot of money, and not a lot of experience. And you get those guys in the same room, and as I'm a star, I'm a star, and I'm a star. Now, I wasn't there. I got traded to the Cincinnati Reds in, in uh, 1993, after the 93 season. <clears throat> Ken Griffey was the star of, of Seattle, still is to this day. But a young kid comes along, Alex Rodriguez, 1995. I think wins the batting title. It's 358. I was gone. I was in Cincinnati. But I looked at that kind of dynamic, and I thought, that's Junior City. And all of a sudden, you got this young hotshot coming in. A lot of times, especially when you're young and you're not, you don't have that maturity yet, tends to, wait a minute, this is my city. No, it's my city. <laughs> yeah. So if we're going to sit here and speculate, I, I can't. For the life of me, I've been trying to figure it out all year. I played for Bob Melvin in 2003. He was a rookie manager at the time. Now he's obviously a seasoned veteran, uh, has had a lot of success. <clears throat> and I know Bob's temperament. He's a very gentle, really doesn't cause any friction in a clubhouse. So I have to go to the players. You know, they lost as many one-run games you could possibly lose this year. And uh, with that group of talent and and – 
it has i have to chalk it up to without fully knowing like mm-hmm. none of us do because we're not in uniform for the padres but i have to chalk it up there's something going on and it's not good behind the scenes yeah when your grandfather played the game at a high <laughs> level when your dad played the game at a high level when you played it when your brother plays it your son well your son, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I mean that's a pretty it's a pretty educated opinion you, you hear about you hear about you know those yankee years and you hear there was a lot of egos behind the scenes. You're talking were, old school Thurman, Reggie, Vanilla. Oh, yeah. People were Great. fighting. Managers Crazy. fighting with the players. <laughs> Sparky Lyle. <laughs> but they had a certain way of, they could put that aside once yeah. once that game started. Yeah. They were great. Yeah. Um, some teams can do it. But you look at that team, veteran team. Been there, done that. This Padre team, not a veteran team. A lot of young superstars. And here's something, and and... I'll throw this against Walt. Tell me what you think. Okay. A young Tatis, who I think is one of the talents of the game, along with Acuna, the young kid in in Seattle right now, Julio Rodriguez, tremendous talent. But these guys are kind of that next wave of, these guys are going to be great for a long time. Tatis has the big scandal a couple years Mm -hmm. ago. He gets suspended for a full year. Says some things, some naive things, some some things that you'd expect a 21-year-old kid to say. Mm -hmm. I don't hold that against the young players. I've been 21. I know what a knucklehead I was at times. You say that when you're 31, now we're going to hold your feet to the fire a little bit. But he's 21 years old. He comes back hat in hand. He's got some amends to make to his teammates. Comes back. This kid is the next coming. He knows how good he is. Right. And all of a sudden they say, yeah, you know, you're a shortstop. And let me tell you this. Middle infielders, we have egos when it comes <laughs> to defense. We're in the middle for a reason. If you were to tell me in the middle of my career, hey, Brett, just go play first. Wait a minute. Yeah, I'm a second. I'm a middleman. You aren't an athlete anymore. Yeah. All of a sudden, that's kind of a blow to the ego. Yep. Now, if you're an older player and and you do what's great for the team and you're going to win a championship, you might have to move on as Mm -hmm. you're getting older and, you know, older in the tooth. But all of a sudden, you're going to tell this 22-year-old that just signed a 300 and something million dollar contract that, by the way, you just went through all this, this scandal. Like I said, hat in hand. And by the way, you're going to go play right field. Wait a minute. That's a blow to. That's like telling a center fielder you're going to DH. Wait a minute. My part of my value is I'm a great <laughs> center fielder. I'm elite. And I think he took it well and he played a really good right field from what I saw. I think about that. I think about a young Cronenworth who's a really good young second baseman. Make him play first. Yeah. Now all of a sudden is he's not going to say anything, but how's he feeling inside? Yeah. So I I add those two components as well. Uh, you bring in a Bogarts from from all accounts, really good dude. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of success in Boston, but all of a sudden you bring in Bogarts and Tatis going, bring Bogarts in. You put me in right field. Yeah. All of a sudden, Cronenworth's going to first. Kim's going to play, and Kim did a great job. Became a fan favorite. Machado remained the same at third base, but uh, just I'm just looking for reasons because yeah. I can't. My brain can't wrap around how they. they they underachieved as much as they did. And that's one of my other theories. So see if that works. I so, agree with that. It's telling you aren't an athlete. And, and you, you touched on Kim, but Jeff, you moved Kim from short to second, which right. might be the best fielding shortstop on the team. Yeah. If I'm to tease and I lose it to Kim, I could probably understand. But having Xander come in, Brett, here's the other thing that I think as a fan, it's easy to just come up with an opinion. But it's the, it's the discussion of injuries, when you're a high-profile player. Xander Bogarts, throughout the course of the year, dealing with a wrist injury, cortisone shot. Manny, tennis elbow, playing through. So 
I'm wondering from, from a player's standpoint, from a teammate's standpoint, guy is trying to play through the pain because he doesn't want to look like he's jaking it. Just uh, funny in this room. And then, uh, but also if you're looking at it from a teammate and going, dude, you're not the guy you were. And we probably got somebody somewhere that can come up and play it. It's such a delicate balance, especially when you're a star, right? Because nothing more fragile than the male ego, especially that of an athlete boonie. So how do you manage it if you're the player? What do you do if you're the teammate? You're looking over there and go, hey, man, Dave's trying to fight through, but he can barely lift his left arm and he's over for his last 27. How does that figure in when the whole entire left side of your infield was hurt for a big part of the year? Well, first and foremost... And in today's game, you don't see it as much as during my time, especially during my father's time. My grandfather's time, forget it. Yeah. You got a broken leg, we're going to tape it up and <laughs> yeah. put a splint on it. You're going to go out and play today. <laughs> and as a ball player, that that I appreciate that. Yeah, I want that guy that is willing to play at all costs. Now, there is a point. Um, and, and the one thing we are as athletes and as baseball players – is in the heat of the battle when you have that internal clock that says you show up and play no matter what. I get the flu, tough. I play through this. I'm a, I'm going to be there for my guys every day. They expect me to be in the lineup. I'm one of the main guys on this team. I got to be in that lineup every day. That's how I want you to think as a teammate. That's the teammates I want. But the one thing we're not good at in the heat of the battle is self-evaluation. Mm. Being able to set it aside and say, you know, I mean, you got to play. There's a difference between playing hurt and injured. Mm -hmm. Okay. If hurt, yeah, maybe 80% of Tatis or, or a Machado is better than 100% of that guy sitting on the bench. Right. But when you're 40%, you've got to be able to look in the mirror, and it's the toughest thing to do uh, as a young man and a, and a guy that's dependent on in the middle of that lineup. Believe me, once again, I can't reiterate this enough. As a teammate, I appreciate that. that. That's probably the number one thing I appreciate is a guy that has the ability to post. It should be a it should be a six skill when when we're a yeah. scout we're yeah. evaluating one to eight. There should be a six category for the ability to post because I played with some guys that that were right there, and most of the guys I played with, and they're going to bend and they're, they're going to grin and bear it. Yeah, but I played with some guys that man. You know, who's who's pitching in three days? My hammy does. My hammy's starting to hurt. You know. Yeah. Now that pisses me off as a teammate. Mm -hmm. You're a main guy. You get your butt in the lineup at all times. But one of those things is is you're right. We are terrible, terrible self evaluators. I'll give you a quick story. And I'll let you move on. 1990, I believe it was 95, 96 opening day. 90. I'll never forget it because who's the umpire that that passed away? I was just thinking about this. At uh, opening day, Cincinnati. McSherry? Oh. McSherry. Yeah. I oh remember it's 96 because John McSherry passed away opening day, and yep. I was sitting there on the bench watching. I saw that happen. And I went, oh. So that, that'll never leave my mind. But I'm battling these el this elbow in spring training, and, and uh, 95, I'm coming off a pretty good year, and, and I've got a contract that we're negotiating a four-year contract and I got to be on the field. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm having some elbow problems during spring training. My elbow keeps swelling up and I'm going, what's, what's going on with my elbow? We go in get the, uh, yeah, you got some, some elbow chips. And as long as they stay in the capsule and start not float around, you'll be able to get through it. But as soon as they start floating, that thing's going to swell up and it's going to swell up every time you put, you, you put some, you know, 
any stress on it. Mm-hmm. Undue stress, which is swinging, Every day. swinging hard, Every day. swinging hard, throwing. It was <laughs> yeah. my throwing arm. And I'm fighting it down the last week of the season. It's like playing, I'll play, I'll get two at bats. And I remember I hit a home run. We were, it was two days before opening day. Made a couple plays in the field, played three innings. Came out, I'm good to go, ready to go. That night we got, get back on the bus. I wake up the next morning, there it is again. I've already got my elbow drained twice and it's out there again. I said, I can't do this every day for the rest. I can't get my elbow drained 162 times. Right. So finally, push came to show. This, all right, you're going to have surgery. I remember I'm a young man. I, I fly to I fly to Birmingham, Alabama. Dr. Andrews is doing my surgery. They check me in. I, I have a little talk with Dr. Andrews. I said, what is the quickest anyone's ever come back from elbow surgery? And he gave me a number. It was like three weeks. I said, well, I'm going to come back in 20 days. And I remember looking at the calendar. I said, see this date? We're playing the Cubs. I said, I will be in the lineup. He looked at me. Okay, sure you will. (laughs) Sure enough, I was. I came over. I started doing that. I was in that. I was rehabbing like a madman. And we're going to play the Cubs. And they don't think I'm coming off for another week, 10 days. Yeah. And they're like, I wasn't even supposed to be on the trip. I said, I want to (laughs) go. Okay, Brett can go and be a spectator. So the day comes where I'm eligible at the time. It was a 15-day deal. Yeah. DL, yep, not IL, and it was fifteenth day, and I come to the ballpark, and Ray Knight's our skipper, and it's a cold day in <laughs> Chicago, and I said, Ray, I said, uh, I'm ready to play. He looks at me, yeah, whatever. I said, today I can come off the DL. He goes, it doesn't matter, you're not playing. I said, yes, I am. He goes, well, you got to show me. He grabs his glove. We go out <laughs> on the <laughs> field. <laughs> At Wrigley? Yeah, and we start warming up. He goes, all right, I want you to give me as much as you can give me. And I, I'm firing, and my elbow is killing. <laughs> <laughs> and Ray Knight comes off the field. He goes, you're in there. He calls He calls Cincinnati. Jim Bones, the GM, yeah. says, Booney's ready to go. They activated me that day. I played. I called Dr. Andrews. <laughs> I said, see, about a month later, I'm sitting in my locker going, I should have given another 10. <laughs> yes, that's it. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Self-evaluate. We want to be in there so bad, especially the younger you are. That's, right. that's all you know is I'm a gamer and I play every day. And, uh, yeah, that, so I understand. I don't I don't really get on a guy for, for overdoing it, you know. Yeah. And, and it's more for his teammates to come up. Hey, mm-hmm. come here. Let's think about resting this thing. We want you for the long haul. You know, yeah. if, maybe if we take a week or 10 days now. We're going to have you for the stretch. But really, as that player, uh, you, you don't really have that ability to, to evaluate because you want to, especially if that's how you're built, you yeah. want to be in there so bad. So I never, ever will uh, criticize a player that overdoes it and wants to be in there when they shouldn't. I actually applaud that. Bochi told unbelievable stories about Cam and Eddie. Oh, yeah. He was one of those. <laughs> he was from my grandpa's era. Yeah, yeah. Old school. My dad was like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially playing catcher. All right. So here's my question. You just brought up four year contract. So most guys back in the day, four year contract was the number. Big deal, baby. That was my first deal. So what do you think now? I mean, you haven't been out of the game that long. It's not like you played, you know, in the 50s. You're looking at guys who are looking at 10, 12 year contracts. 13. What goes through your mind and your dad's mind? Stink and make 10 million. Yeah. Yeah. Stink. Yeah. Yeah. Drew Pomeranz didn't throw a pitch, made $9 million the last two years, Booney. You don't have to say anything. How about That's Rendon? 18- yeah. Right. Oh my. No, and, and, and listen, I'm, I'm never going to get on guys for being injured. Sometimes injuries. Yeah, we saw what happened with Strasburg. 
Right. And, right. and, and yeah. this guy, could, but, he could have been great, great. Right. And all of a sudden, he's just, just some guys just have it in their DNA. It's like they can't stop getting hurt. Do you and yeah. your dad talk about the years, though? Because no. your dad worked in the front office for I'll the Nationals. You, my, my dad, his last year, uh, played 19 years. And his last year, I think he signed a two year deal, and I think he made a million nine. And he'd been playing 19 years. Wow. And back then, it was pretty good. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I remember looking at that, wow, big yeah. figure, million nine. And then I go into my generation. And, you know, I started I, my first contract. It was $109,000. And then I got a bump, and then I got a bump, and then I eventually signed that deal. And all of a sudden, I was making a couple million bucks. Like, wow. whoa, wow. And then I got the three. And then I get to Seattle, and I was the highest paid second baseman. I make it nine. So yeah. my dad's looking at me, kind of like, yeah, kid. You know, <laughs> and, and then Grandpa, oh, you don't oh. want it. And this is, Grandpa's still alive at the time. And he's like, yeah. gee, the money you guys make. <laughs> yeah. And he tells his story about, you know, he was making 26000 He led the league in RBIs. And back then, they didn't have agents. So he said he went into the owner's office and said, I, I need a raise. And he said, Ray... What did I say? He's making twenty six, and I'm just using this as a figure. Sure. It was somewhere in that that area, so don't quote me on it. But he says, "I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you twenty eight thousand because we can finish in fourth place with or without your hundred and whatever RBIs that you led." And that's the way yeah. it was back then. Um, so when I played, man, the money was good. Yeah, you know. But now you look, and I don't sit there and begrudge the players no. i think that's what the market will bear you know look at ticket prices look at the pack it all comes down to revenue yeah. what is the game yeah. producing well i think as an ex-player if you've got an eight billion dollar industry the players should get a good because that's what people come out and pay the good money to see the players so i don't begrudge them at all i, I try to i try to think of it like a movie star you know it's like if tom cruise does top gun 2 yeah. And they pay him fifty million, and that movie makes a billion. I'll tell you what, he's worth at least fifty million. You know, so yeah. it, it's supply and demand. Because if if me or you or or uh, or Dave step in as Top Gun, it's probably not going to make a billion. <laughs> it may not. <laughs> so I'm saying, without him, you, you don't have. Yeah, you got to be the guy. You know, the money's unbelievable. I think it's awesome. I think it says something about the game and how much it's growing and how much money's in this game. So I don't begrudge the players one bit. Uh, appreciate it sure I, and we did that too and my dad instilled that in me i was a player rep for a few years and he said educate yourself and and we look back and we appreciated what my dad's generation did and and from my we went from my grandpa having to go up and and uh negotiate with an owner and get a two thousand dollar raise to what these kids are doing today so as an ex-player all you all you all you want is to see the current player appreciate what they have and pass that on to the next generation Right, he's, did you say one year it was nine million? Was it nine in Seattle? Yeah, it was ballpark. But I mean, it was a four year, like thirty six. Okay, so I was making. Yeah, I was the highest paid, and I thought that was pretty cool. So there's so many things that fascinate Dave and I. We Dan Williams is our finance guy. He's, mm -hmm. He sponsors the show. We're very thankful because he talks to people about managing finances. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I'm I'm fascinated by. Okay, we see it in the paper. Brett Boone gets a four-year. Some people are like, yeah, for Booney. Others, like you said, are grumbling. But the next day or, or the next year, how much is your phone ringing with people that are saying, hey, Booney, 
I got the best garage door company ever. Still does. And, and how many people? <laughs> how many people call? And the other thing, Brett, the second part of that that I don't think people look at. To me, there's got to be a part to make sure because we saw our friend Junior Seau get burned. A guy that he had been with for mm -hmm. 20 years drained his money. When you have to make that decision to say, okay, this is what I'm bringing, and I want to make sure that, yeah, I'm set, my kids are set, man. It could go as quickly as it comes without in. A, without a doubt. And, so and that pressure of doing the right thing, who do you turn to to make sure people that- People you trust. Okay. And and it necessarily doesn't always have to be the greatest guy, but who do you trust? Yeah. Who do you trust that's got your best interest there? But heart? that's what Junior did and got smoked. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I could turn back the clock, because believe me, I made my share of mistakes uh, sure. financially. Well, get divorced. That doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, man, I, if I could turn back the clock, I would have done some things differently. Amazon, Apple. But uh, no, well, I mean, no, we're no, joking. No. Right, know, right, I'm right. Decent. No, just the way I would have gone about it. Because when you're making that kind of money and you're young and you're kind of dumb and you think you're smart... Oh, you're going to be making ten million for the next fifty years, right? And there, you really don't have a budget. It's when you retire and you come home and you start looking at real life mm -hmm. and going, "Okay, the paychecks aren't coming anymore, so I've got to live the rest of my plan on living the rest of my life on my investments." So I need X amount of dollars, and if you spend X amount of dollars and it's more than you budgeted for, that pile shrinks; it doesn't mm -hmm. gain, and vice versa. But you're not used to budgeting. Yeah. Because when you're playing, it's all about playing. It's all about getting a phone call at home and say the radiator broke. Well, fix it, and I don't care how much it costs. Right. When you come home, that was a that was a rude awakening for me. I remember my first off season and kind of looking around the house like it's spring training, and I'm usually getting ready to go play, and all of a sudden I'm setting up the the landscapers, and I'm looking at the budget, and I'm like, okay, here was the biggest thing for me. I remember, and this has nothing to do with my ex wife, it, but it's a funny story. It's Christmas time, and here come the Christmas, my Christmas decorations from the garage. These people are bringing them into my house, and I said, who's got our, my Christmas decorations? Oh, that's the, the people doing, setting up the tree and all that stuff, and I go, how much am I paying these people? <laughs> she goes, oh, a couple thousand. I said, those are my decorations. Why am I paying for stuff like right. that? Things that when you're playing, you don't really notice. You just play. Your yeah. my, my mind is to play and not worry about the bills and all that stuff. Uh, and then you come home and it's like, wait a minute. I kind of, worst case scenario, I got to protect my, myself and my kids and my family right. for the rest of my life. And this is the money I made. When you're making it, you know, reporters used to ask me all the time, and it's the silly thing, and a lot of players do it. You know, you hear the jokes about a veteran player going to a rookie. Hey, let me see your check. You want me to cash it for you? Yeah. You know, that type of Curry stuff. Curry And it's funny. <laughs> But I remember when I started making, a, I, I, I was that kid too. I was making 109 my first year and I, Barry Larkin was on my team and I'm, no, 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 Griff, no, no. I forget who it was. Chris Bozio, Jay Buhner, they were yeah. at arbitration. They were starting to make big money. I was making 109. I was making like $5,000 every two weeks. <laughs> and I thought I was the richest guy in the world. And then I'd see their checks. I'm like, oh man, you're making Good. that much. You know, so we all do it. Yeah. And then I remember when I was in that, when I signed that big deal at the end of my career, the young players would be like, hey, can I just see one of your checks? And I'd show <laughs> it to them. You know, other reporters, they'd want yeah. to talk about it. But when pushed on it, I really thought, do you know what? I am blessed as hell to make this money, but right, right now, 
I don't care one bit about that money. I know that I'm one for my last 12, mm-hmm. and we've just lost four straight. And you really don't think about it or have the time to appreciate what you have. You're thankful one day you're done playing. You're like, whoo, that was really pretty cool and, and pretty blessed to have done it. But when you're going through it, that's the last thing you think about. You can think you, about it more when you're done playing. Can you tell us the most outlandish uh, business plan that somebody tried to sell you on? Oh, I got you i got a bunch we got oh in atlanta we got scammed one time on this and everybody put a bunch of money and and uh oh i can't think of what the product was anyway that wasn't a huge but it was a lot of money from a lot of players and we all got scammed on that um man it, when it when it comes to it there was a lot of weird stuff being everybody always got something for you yeah but i was pretty good at at not going off on my own and just taking money and here invest this in this. I always went through my planners and, Good and, and did the right thing. Uh, I never just took a bunch of money and, and just willy-nilly made an investment because I believed in it. Really, at that time, I didn't think about business. I didn't think about outside things. I just thought, put my put the bulk of my money in somewhere safe that, I can, that, that I'm not going to lose if the stock market crashes or you yeah. know, something happens. But uh, yeah, I was pretty conservative when it came to that. Well, you're, you've always been smart with it. I remember I was with you a, a few years ago. You received a phone call from a former major leaguer who didn't take care of the money the way you did who asked you for more than $300,000. And you said, yeah, this happens. Is it hard to say no, especially when it's either a teammate or a former major leaguer that's part of the fraternity? You've got to to get to a point. Um, You want to get to a point, and and this is how I live my life now. You want to get to a point that you always want to, I I think you always should want to help people, not necessarily financially, but don't get to a point where you give to somebody, whether it's emotionally or financially, to a point where it's going to create a resentment down the road, mm. where I'm, our relationship's going to change because of this deal we're making. And it, maybe it's not a financial deal. Yeah. Maybe it's a time deal. But am I going to resent you in the long run for this? Because if if I think there's a chance in the world I'm going to, I'm going to kind of probably not make that deal. So that's that's what I think about any time. <clears throat> that that anybody and it, and it's not necessarily a player calling you with a big number like that, but it could be you know, a buddy that needs a couple thousand, you know. Yeah. And, and it's mm. you make those decisions on an individual basis, and and you uh, you know you go from there. Brett, we saw something taking it back to what we saw on the field. Padres, for the most part, were out. They've been out for a month, but last week they were still mathematically alive even though it was very very small they were still in the game they had a situation i believe in san francisco I was there last monday last monday josh Hader. yeah and it's a situation in the eighth he's a free agent coming up he got fried in milwaukee with arbitration we know the story but man we still got a little bit and he elects not to come out for the Fourth out in the in the eighth. lefty batter against Conforta. Uh, we look at that, we lose our mind. Fans say, ah, "Good riddance." We've talked to you a thousand different times about teammates and guys doing what they have to do the whole deal. But you, you're there at second base. You're a gamer, man. You come from a family that's a gamer. You're respecting everything. But if a guy says, "You know what? I got his. I got you in the ninth, boys." But this last out in the eighth is up to you. How's that go in the room? 
Well, without fully knowing sure. if there's any backstory to it, if there was any talk uh, from, from what you're saying, because I didn't really get into that story much. I heard about it. Yeah. <clears throat> but it, let's just say there's not a backstory to it. And it he was had a just, deal made with the Padres that he wouldn't do that. That was, that was a, a Unless they deal. were in playoff contention. <clears throat> right. You throw that out the window when exactly. you got a chance. And, and we talked about naivety of, of players. We are. It, when it comes to health, when it comes to... Uh, yeah, we know we're not that good, but it's opening day and we're that good. We yeah. really do think like that. Yeah. And if there's a chance, you know, as outsiders now, and, and if we're analyzing the game, we can sit there and go, well, you got four to play. And if you lose one, you're out. We can kind of say you're probably out, right? That's, that's yeah. what we can objectively say. As a player, no, you don't think that way. Right. Well, we're going to win four in a row for real. Right. Well, there's a reason. That in the history of the game, there's only been very few circumstances where, say, a Boston of 2004 is down yeah. three to the Yankees. They come back <laughs> right. and win four. That's like a miracle. We don't see – that's one of the, the three most impressive things I've ever seen in sports. The yeah. other being uh, – who's the lefty for the San Francisco Giants? Bumgarner. What Bumgarner did in that World Series, oh. that's number two. Is the most some of the most amazing things. So what I'm saying is, it usually doesn't come to fruition. But as players, we think we're going to win every single day. And if you give us a chance, we're going to walk through that door and, and take that chance. I couldn't imagine in my generation, and I, and I can't speak. That was my game. This is their game now. It's a different game. I couldn't imagine a teammate of mine in crunch time when the the door is open and we still have a chance to say no. That that's a deal we worked out in my contract. I couldn't imagine what the backlash would be in that clubhouse. Right. Uh, I couldn't imagine it. But different time now. God. Yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, because the Padres did roll right after that. I mean, they won the next two, and then they swept the White Sox. And it did change things a little bit. That glimmer of hope. And that's all fans want is that that chance of hope. Well, could you imagine me saying, well, it's not my contract to play five days in a row. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, fifth day is clinch day, and I said, "No, you know, I'm having a great year. I'm one of our guys, but it says <laughs> in my contract I can't play." Could you imagine? I couldn't imagine walking and facing my teammates again. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but uh, but I played with guys that will go unnamed that maybe could do that, and I and I can't wrap my head around it. It's like, how can you be that way? Well, we people have talked about Snell all year. Uh, uh, to me, I'm not a Snell guy, Booney. Here's why I'm not a Snell guy. <laughs> I'm 100% not in. I think he's one of the biggest frauds to ever come through this town. Here's why. Because in a year, Dave, I'll tell you why. You guys are both close to this game. You'll understand what I'm saying. In a year coming off of last year, where you were so close, Philadelphia, you go out, you've made the deal to get Bogart, uh, Xander. Fernando's going to be back in 20 days, man. It is right there for the taking. And for whatever reason, figure it out. You come out of the gate one in five. ERA 5.6. Okay, that's fine. But then you come out of the all-star break, and you haven't thrown in anywhere between six and eight days. I don't remember the number. And you go to Philadelphia. You're a doubleheader game. Melvin has already said we have a bullpen game in the other game. And you say to your manager, I can give you five today. I can give you five. And I look at that, I go, you got to be, you got to be, kidding me now listen i respect what he did but in my opinion brett he did it because it's a contract year and to me that's the ultimate me guy and if the pods benefited but if that guy pitched the way he did and was as locked in as in april as he is in august 
then we're talking about a playoff team. And to me, if a guy hater won't come out, okay, man, later. If Blake Snell can't lock in for me, like you just talked about on opening day and be that guy, and all of a sudden it clicks when you realize, oh, yeah, I'm a contract guy. I don't know, man. Well, I don't know if I look at it that way. I mean, I do, Booney. He's a con- <laughs> I stand by what I said. But he's okay. a contract guy from day one. So why wouldn't you do all in? I got to have I got this it. big year. Yeah. He's going to win the Cy Young. No, I got it. And he never gets hurt. And my thing with Snell, don't know him, never met him. I watch him. And I've said this for years. That stuff right there should never have a north of five ERA. And he did it for a couple of years. Yeah. Where consistently... The stuff he has when he's got his good stuff is Randy Johnson type stuff. Yeah. It's that good. Yeah. And I watch him and I say, how can this guy, I understand everybody's human. Everybody's, you're going to have your day where it's just not your day. Mm -hmm. But to consistently not be one of the best in the world. Can't get into the the eighth inning. That he has, has been mind boggling to me for three or four years, ever since he came from Tampa. And then, obviously, the second half of this year, mainly, yeah, but probably three quarters of the year, uh, pitch as good as you can possibly pitch, and you know, he's going to get a Cy Young, and probably not going to be back. No, but as far as you look at his body of work in San Diego, I don't think San Diego is going to be in on Blake Snell, especially with the money they right. potentially have on the books. I don't know whether they're going to tra- uh, trade. Keep, pay, Juan Soto. You hear some reports they're going to make him a good offer. He's already turned down $400 million. Yeah. You know, yeah. what? where is he <laughs> in his world of what's fair? Uh, so the, the Padres have a lot of money out there designated to a lot of people. I don't think they're going to add a uh, – I, th- I don't think they're really going to pursue Snell. I may be dead wrong, and I don't think they're going to pursue Hater. No, Maybe dead wrong exactly on that right. either, but uh, – they're going to put their money in in other places, and you know the, every club. The end of the season's over. You didn't make it to the playoffs. Got your meetings. You get to come up with your your game plan, and and you try to execute the game plan as good as you can. But I'm I'm with you. I I don't just because of his body of work in San Diego. Yeah. Obviously, it ends with a Cy Young. But what about the other three years? Right. You know, when you're out every game in the fifth inning and you're on the bullpen again. I mean, you never get into the eighth. Still the great way. But, you know, the the players today, once again, I'm going to go back to the players today are different than when I played. And I don't put it, I wrestle with this all the time because I hesitate to to be a quick read and go, well, how could you do that? We would never do that when I played. I don't want to be that guy. Get off my lawn guy. It's not my time. It's their time. And I put a lot of, if we're going to say the onus, I put it on the organizations in the game of baseball and how these kids are brought up, the culture they're brought up in. They're brought up in, you're a reliever. When I played, it was the best pitchers are starters, and Mm -hmm. if you're not good enough, you go in the bullpen. Now they're starting to groom pitchers to be bullpen (laughs) guys and come in for the eighth and throw as hard as you can and get me me three outs. Get me six outs if you're a middle reliever. Uh, If you're a starter, we just need five. That's all we need. And they're taught. You probably saw this in Seattle with a with a young George Kirby, who I think's got Cy Young type stuff. One day he's going to be mentioned in that category. He finished a game, went into the postseason 
room and, and I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And he said, uh-huh. well, you know, I had 90 pitches and I wish I wasn't out there for the seventh because yep. he had given it up and they lost. Yeah. And I almost fell out of my chair. I said, oh my gosh. And you know, of course people are calling me, what would you say? And I said, and then you got to break it down. And I thought about it and I thought, well, of course in my day that would not happen, but it's not my day. I got it. And it's the way these kids are brought up. Hey, you throw, there's pitch limits, pitch limits, pitch limits. Maybe 90 was put in his mind mm-hmm. at a young age. I throw 90, I, I did my job. That's what the organization tells me they want. So I can't completely blame the player. I'm going to give a little of the blame to say that blurt that out <laughs> yeah. publicly yeah. and then have to walk back in the locker no. room and deal with your manager. Uh, that's probably not a good thing to say. The good thing for Kirby, and they asked me what's going to happen. I said, "Well, I'll tell you what, if he goes out and he gets his butt kicked next outing, he's going to he's going to have a long long time to play this thing down." He went out his last two outings. He was nails, yeah, and just shoved it. Yeah. I'm sure he's put that behind him. He's learned a lesson. He owned it the next day. We're, too. we're dealing, yeah, we're got just dealing with a different generation yeah. of player, and and the next generation uh, of player. These guys are going to probably look at them and go, well, when I play. (laughs) So, you know, you got to be careful not to do that too much. And kind of before you just blurt out what your gut tells you, it's like, let me think this through before I actually have a take on this. All right. So last September I was at Yankee Stadium and the Rays are playing the Yankees in a really important series. One of my least favorite guys for the Yankees for years, and I felt bad for your brother, was Aaron Hicks. I thought he was lazy as shit. <laughs> There's a ball hit down the left field line because he's not playing center anymore, and he jogs after it. It rolls to the wall, then he makes a terrible throw to the cutoff man. Two, three guys score, and I turn to my son, and I said, man, if I'm Aaron, I pull him out of the game. And your brother did, which you usually don't see at the major league level. He did I, pull him out of the game. I remember that game. You remember that? And Because I was thinking what you just said. I was so pissed as a non-Yankee fan, just as a baseball fan. That's not how you fucking play. And, and I know Aaron, I know the family. I was like, that's not fair to him. But he did the right thing. And the the fans booed. But when they realized Aaron wasn't in there, I mean, uh, Aaron Hicks wasn't in there, it, it went another notch to the fan base that Aaron Boone thought like the fans. So here we go. Two-part question here. Let me finish the question. One is, how did your brother adapt to today's player with analytics and with, uh, with egos? growing up in your house too could you do it could you become a manager today and be able to uh, sit there and make that transition from what you grew up on how you played to the way the organization is now treating players i think i could because as much as the game is different it's the same and the years i played the experience i've had in my life the years i've played the managers i've played for i ball players are still ball players at the core and you've got to touch a nerve with their emotions. You're, you're a people. It's no different than being the CEO and getting the best out of your employees. And man, managing is managing people. There's so much analytics and, and so many people around you. And if you have good people around you that you trust, they help you so much with the actual game plan. Um, but I think the real, the real skill in being a manager is being a people person. And I've said this on, on many different occasions. It's, it's taking three different personalities. And it doesn't mean it's not Little League where everybody's got to be treated fairly. Fairly ain't the big leagues. Fairly is I give this guy a kick in the ass, I give this guy a hug, and I give this guy a kiss. And between the three, I get the same results. Mm-hmm. And that guy wants to play for me. He comes to the yard, and he wants to play for me. Aaron, what he does, he does a great job. He's got his players back, I think, to a fault. You know, I call them, tease them sometimes, like, why don't you get kicked out of another game of that stupid (laughs) white box? You know that's not the damn real strike zone, don't you? (laughs) But Eric's passionate, and that's what he does. And and 
But Aaron's a politician too. He's good at it. Yeah. He's a better politician than I would be. But without a doubt, I think one day uh, I might want to manage in this league and and t- take a try. I think, and I don't want to say it's an easy job, but at the same time, it's about managing people. And ball players, like I said, as much as they're different today and the culture is different, ball player at the heart is still a ball player. And and I've my experience in life, you know, from childhood to present, that's all I've known is baseball and, and dealing with ball players. And and I've learned from some great managers, you know. I talk about Lou all the time. I talk about Bochy. I got to play for Bobby Cox, Jack McKeon for a minute. Uh-huh. But Davey Johnson was one of my early guys, and you've probably heard me say this before. Davey and I butted heads, and, man, I wanted to – oh, I'd come to the park, and I couldn't stand him, and I thought he couldn't stand me, and we'd fight. And I had some really good years for Davey. And as I got older, I looked back at those days, and I'm like, wow, I see what he was trying to do. He would push my buttons, but he knew Brett Boone pissed off Mm. is a better player. Mm. Whereas maybe Joe Smith pissed off will curl up in a ball and quit. Yeah. He knew how to get the most out of me. And years later, I had him on my on my podcast. And I said, Davey, it took me about 20 years. <laughs> but I look back, and now I see what you were doing. And he just kind of laughed like Davey laughed. He says, yeah, Booney, you didn't think I knew anything, did you? <laughs> but he was teaching me a lesson. Probably pound for pound skilled all those great managers I played for, it's probably the best manager I ever played for is David wow. Johnson. You know, we laugh about Aaron, but I, I manage a team of anywhere from three to five to seven. And the one thing I took away from him is Dave and I have had people that technically worked for us at radio stations. I've had other people. And in the past, Brett, it's always been a situation where you're like, oh, yeah, they know they're, they know they're good. They know they're respected. They know how much we like them. Oh, the management team knows everything. I swear to God, the clip that changed everything, how I manage my team, is the Savages clip. Because I'm thinking if I'm sitting on the bench and I'm watching it, and, and yeah, he's your brother, you're like 95% of this shit is bullshit. But I tell you what, the thing that I took away is not so much Savages, but it's the ability to remind the people that have been on my team over the last four years how much they mean to me, how great they are how much better our brand is because they work there. And I always say to them, when you park, we're in Carlsbad right by the beach. And I say, if you go to the right, you come in the door. If you go to the left, you go to the beach. I got to make it where you want to come in. But it's the one thing that he did. Now, the Laz Diaz clip this year was, Uh uh, I don't use the Laz Diaz clip, but that's the one thing, Brett, where you go, it reminded you, you go, yeah, you have to let the people know that, like you just said, you got their back. It's a little bit of theatrics. It's fun. But also letting them know and then letting the people who I answer to know, hey, man, we're really, really lucky to have these people. And I I absolutely stole that from Aaron. It's great. I've got to play for a lot of guys that did have my back. And I'll tell you, as as much as when we're in the when we're in the heat of the battle and we want everybody to look at us and say, hey, we're you know, we're almost supermen and nothing affects us. Right. It affects us a lot more than you think. You know, I, I, I laugh at teammates that would say, I don't care what the press says or the fans say. Well, I, I know you pretty good, and you kind of care more <laughs> yeah. than everybody else yeah. because we do care. We are vulnerable. Uh, we do have insecurities. And I'll tell you, I've been some times where I've been struggling. Man, I've had this game is so hard. 
and I've had some really good years, and I've had some really tough years, and I've had some decent years. You know, I've I've run the gamut. But I, there's there's a time and a place where you're down and you're not feeling good and you're not contributing. You just made an error, and you see that skipper's got your back. It means something to you as a player, and you bank you 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 bank that away, and you appreciate stuff like that. The great ones have the ability to do it, not overdo it, mm-hmm. but do it. Aaron, when he does it, see Aaron and I are. Oil and water. Yeah. If I ever get in your face like that, oh. you're in trouble. Yeah. Where Aaron, he's so passionate. You, you mentioned the last. Yes. Yeah. I'm watching it. I'm cracking up. Because all I can picture is, okay, it's 1979. Oh. And we're playing, we're playing uh, touch football in the street where you know when the cars come by everybody's <laughs> yeah. got to move if you're playing if you're playing street hockey you got to move the goal and yep. then the car goes by and i you know Aaron, I, I used to let aaron tag along with my buddies aaron's like six and he's hanging with the 10 year olds and we're playing <laughs> you know touch football in the street yeah and i'll tell you i it, and aaron was so easy because he was so passionate even then so he'd get a first down but it'd be close yeah and I'd kind of give a wink to my buddies. Go, Aaron, that's not a first down. What are you? T-? And he had this squeaky voice. What are you talking about, Brad? That's a first. <laughs> and I'm watching him argue with Laz Diaz. Yeah. He was the same oh, way when he was six years old. That's him. That's not uh, premeditated. That's just how Aaron is wired. Whereas I'm wired completely different. Yeah. Um, Aaron's like my dad a lot. You know, he's at the ballpark at twelve and he's crunching numbers. And what's it? Yeah. When I told him, sometimes I said. Sometimes show up to the yard late. See how your team reacts. Mm. That's what Lou used to do. Yeah. Lou would show up at 645. Jesus. Holy. But he knew he knew his per- <laughs> that, that'd be great. Talk about knowing your personnel. Yeah. He knew that we had the ship yeah. headed in the right direction. He trusted our core of players to run that ship. He knew that without him, we'd be fine. Yeah. We'd like having him there, but he would do it once in a while. No, I'm not saying consistently. No. But some days I wouldn't I wouldn't physically see yeah. Lou until seven oh five for a seven ten game, and he'd show up in the in the dugout and he'd go, "Booney, what do we got today, son?" And I'd look at him. I'd say, "Skip, you just have a seat. We'll handle business." Yeah. <laughs> I've seen the tape on this starting pitcher, <laughs> right? And but he he trusted not only me, he trusted that group of guys. He yeah. knew that it was in good hands, and that was the team he has. The great ones know the team they have. Yeah. Now he couldn't. You can't go to Tampa Bay when he did with a bunch of young players and manage them like you managed the early two thousand yeah. Seattle Mariners. It's apples and oranges. Mm-hmm. The great ones adapt and they know. Okay, I got this personnel. I live with these guys for one hundred and sixty-two games a year. I know what makes them tick. I know what to, buttons to push to get the best out of them. Oh, this is a different team. I've got to take it a different way. I think the great ones have an innate ability to do that. All right, so when you look at some of these managers, we'll throw your brother in there because I, I watch a ton of Yankee games, as, as I said, because of your family. With the Yankees, as, as a manager, you go, okay, you have Aaron Judge, one of the top players in the game. Well, this year he loses him for a good portion of the season because he gets hurt at Dodger Stadium. Then all of a sudden, you know, you have old man Josh Donaldson, can't produce. They end up re- releasing him. You look at uh, Carlos Rendon, they have to, you know, he, he gets a huge contract, absolutely terrible. And then you have... Issues of guys cheating. Your brother deals with so much stuff, it seems like on a yearly basis. But at the same time, he can't go to the media and go, guys, it's not my fault. Nobody cares about Aaron's hardships. And nobody cares if the Yankees have a hardship. What I'm saying is I'm, I'm really happy that the Yankees, and it was announced today, it's been rolling across the scroll mm-hmm. as we're doing the show, 
that your brother's coming back mm-hmm. because the last two years, honestly, don't think it's Aaron's issue that the Yankees have struggled. It's either injuries, guys that didn't perform, and that the Yankees organization has enough faith in them to say, look, when everybody's healthy and everybody plays up to what they're getting paid for, this is our right guy for the job. Without a doubt. And I talked to, to Aaron a few days ago, and I just kind of touched on it with him. He really said, Brett, I don't know. He said, I don't know. I hope I'm here. Uh, just my observation from the outside looking in and just what my gut told me was Aaron's going nowhere. You know, I know him, him and cash have a really good relationship and Hal uh, has a really good relationship with Cashman. And, and I just thought, you know, you, you kind of got to get off Twitter sometimes because that's mm-hmm. knucklehead land. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows anything that the intricacies and, and what's going on. Um, so I, I, I would have been shocked today if I woke up and, but, but Aaron to, to his credit, he said, Brett, I really don't know. He said, I think I'm going to be here, but who knows in this game? And, and you're right. Who mm-hmm. does know in this game? But I remember when he took the Yankee job, I said, you know, and how fortunate for your first job, you're the Yankees, right? You know, the biggest franchise in the world. And I thought, you know, it's going to be tough. You're, you're on the hot seat every single night in that city, but where else would you want to be? Exactly. I told him, I said, yeah. you know, I'd give anything to just, I want to be on that hot seat every night. Because I said, you win one time, you're going to have the key to the city for the rest mm-hmm. of your life. And that's what it's about. You can go manage in a, in a different, a small market sure. and have some success and have a nice career. And everybody say, oh, he did a really good job. But you went for the Yankees. It's a different level. I wouldn't want to be anywhere. But uh, there's not 20 or 30 jobs yeah. <laughs> for, to be the New York Yankees managers. There's one. There's one to be a Met, one to be a Red Sox. You know, Cubs, pretty prestigious. And some other franchises are getting a little more prestigious. St. Louis is always a pre- prestigious job to get. But uh, it's a different animal yeah. in New York. Because, and, and I think this is, this isn't a knock. Fans are fans, and that, that's what makes our game great, is everybody's got an opinion. And, and the fact that I love New York because everybody's, you suck, and I yeah. love playing in New York. There's nothing like it because I'm going to get told I suck 20 times. <laughs> but if I do well, even as an opponent, they cheer good play. Yeah. And I love that about New York. I knew if I went 0 for 4 at old... Yankee Stadium. I was going to hear it from those guys all night. <laughs> but I knew those nights when I was three for four and I hit a three-run homer. Yeah. They were going to be over there going, Boone, you're the man. <laughs> and I love that part of it because yeah. it wasn't vindictive. You no. know, now I went to Oakland and they're tell- talking about my mom. I'm like, why are we getting so personal? <laughs> yeah, here? I mean, this is just a game. I understand good fodder. But, uh, but, but you look at the other cities that get to the playoffs. And they get to the playoffs and they make a little run in the postseason. And the city is like, oh, what a great run. And it was so much fun. You don't win the World Series in New York. They want you hung in the town hall. Oh, yeah. And and, and once again, this isn't a knock, but it is kind of a knock. It's not 1950. Okay? The game is different. Because it's kind of like, no, we here in New York, we only accept World Series champions. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because you've been spoiled. You had an unbelievable group that was together and won five rings. But baseball's not that easy, and you can't just win World Series like that, especially in 2023 yeah. because of the finances, and a lot of other people can have big salaries too now. So it's not that easy just to get to the top and win. You know, it, it's almost like I compare it, and for the real baseball fans out there, I'll compare it to like back in the day when it was Rod Dato's USC. How many national championships <laughs> yeah, yeah. did he win? All the time. 20? Yeah. When's the last time they won one? 
got in, in the 90s? It's not 1967 yeah. anymore. It's not that it's just SC. Uh, what, what's the football term? Fight on. No, something left. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know uh, what I'm talking yeah, about. The running back. Student body yeah, left. Student body. It's yeah. not student body yeah, left anymore. The wishbone. You yeah. got LSU and you got Florida yeah. State. And you got all these great teams in the, in the Big Ten. So it's not the old days with USC. So USC, it would be like USC saying, no, we here at USC, we just win championships because we won one 20 years ago and we won 20 within about 22 years. Yeah. That's like the Yankees. It, yeah. This is 2023 baseball. To, to win two World Series? Yeah. I mean, what Boach did in San Francisco, won three in six years. That's like the most what unbelievable thing in the world. in Texas right now, too. Crazy. Without the yeah, but, but that's, yeah. that's the exception, not the rule. I got and, it. And to sit here and say, we go to the World Series and win the World Series or nothing. It's like, in 2023, yeah. that's a little bit of a naive approach. I appreciate your passion, but you kind of have to get with the year and, and get with reality a little bit. It's not that easy. All right, so let's play this game. Uh-oh. I. Give me one of your, we're going to pick one of your two teams. You've talked about two of them that, that really made an impact on you. Your Mariners team and your Braves team. You, you got to pick one of the two. Give me one of those. Oh. And I'll tell you where I'm going. With all, that right, all right. All right. What am, what am I picking this team for? What am I doing? Are we going to dinner? Are we going? No. Okay. Here's what we're doing, Boney. You get because a you've, seven game series. What are we doing? You've said a lot of times it's a different game. The game's changed the whole thing. Dave and I. We probably do it because we're not that far apart age-wise. And we look back at these different teams. So let me take let, let me take your Mariners team. Okay. We're going to go 0-1 Mariners. Yeah. Okay. We're Mariners wins. and it's we're, 99 Braves. Okay. So now I, need, uh, now I need some you, – you got to frame it. We're going to take that Mariners team okay. playing that style of baseball, the guys that you have, against the 2023 Atlanta Braves. Analytics – Exit velocity, five inning starters, relievers, the whole thing. Your team with guys that just pitch and don't give a fuck. Guys that steal bases, guys that run. Who wins the best of seven series? 2023. And just be as unbiased as you can because you have to watch it and look at the way the game is today versus the way you guys played. Okay, now this is, we can, we can, okay, we can saddle up and learn our lesson from 2001 because I think the biggest mistake we made on that 2001 team is, and I, and I don't say this in an arrogant vein, we won so much mm -hmm. that we started taking it for granted. Mm. We showed up in Cleveland for the first round of the playoffs, and it wasn't a matter of if we were going to win. It's like, we're going to win, but how many games, I don't know. And we ended up winning, not winning it easy, but we won it. And then we were going to go to New York. And we right. had handled New York pretty good that year. And it wasn't a matter of we were, were we going to win or not. It's like, no, we're going to beat the Yankees, however many games it takes. And then we're going to go to the World Series. And because we have to to get the trophy, we got to play the games. But it's already a foregone conclusion. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, it wasn't from an arrogant standpoint. It was from we won so much that we just started to expect it. And I think we took those series a little for granted because we had won so much. So to set this up, do I get that experience to know this time we're not going to take it for granted? I'm just telling you, you take that team. It's up to you guys how you play. Right, but you have to give us sure. 2023 yes. With your brain today. And, and it's just funny you mentioned that team, that Seattle team, because the night you guys were eliminated, I was on the 17th floor of Penn Plaza. My friend worked at WABC, and I watched the end of that game with Curtis Lewell, the Guardian Angels, which was a very weird experience. 
and remember seeing the Mariners on the bench going, holy shit, what just happened? So whichever team you want. one team against the Braves this year. Or you could take your 99 Braves, either one, against the 2023 Braves. Right, Dave? Wouldn't you say the 2023 Braves? Yeah, that's a good team. (laughs) I mean, consistent. They do analytics. Well, it's interesting to see what the – that's the next thing I'm going to ask Brett about that. How do you guys do? I know he loves that 2001 team a lot. I think. (laughs) (sighs) Tough. I think both teams beat the 2023 Braves. Yeah. Both teams beat them. Yeah. The difference is the second baseman. I got, I got, I got Maddox, Smoltz, Glavin. Right. They're not worried about going five. They're going to go. Mill, s- Millwood, who was a Cy Young candidate that year. I had Rocker in the bullpen, was as good as anybody. What's your infield? My infield is Ryan Klesko, the pick master at first. Uh, myself. Combination Walt Weiss, Guillen at short. Oh, that's right. Okay. Chipper, MVP that year. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have Javi Lopez. Javi Lopez was out. Charlie O'Brien? No. Eddie Perez. Oh, was a okay. Catcher. Center field was Andrew Jones. Right field was Williams. Who's passed away recently? Yeah, Gerald, Gerald Williams. Williams. Oh, wow. Otis Nixon was on that Sugar team. Sugar He was a, a Could base, fly. base stealing threat. Who was in left field for us? Oh, oh, Brian Jordan. I was just had a huge say, yeah. year for us. He was our four hole. One of my favorite guys. But I'm going to lean on that team because their pitch. It's the best pitching staff for yeah. my money. Well, I can't say in the history of the game. I think a lot of people but would. For for what I've seen, pretty loaded man. For, since Three Hall of Fame. What my yeah. eyes have seen in my life, I haven't seen three better. Now. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm going to take that team for that reason. Yeah. And now the 2001 team, not as talented pitching wise, uh, but that was a magical season. And I think it, you told me I, we could yeah. go back and I could remind these guys <laughs> yeah. and remind myself right. not to take this series for granted. Right. I think that team beats pretty much any team that's ever played they beat him uh all right let's have some fun you beat him in five you beat him in six how far does it go because this 2023 brave team has a cunia well, well, let's make it fun yeah four they both go seven <laughs> okay, yeah do you truly believe that we sneak one out we sneak one out at home do you truly believe that i think it would be a battle this this braves team this year is so good yeah. Uh, if you'd ask me the 2000, if, and you'd have to have the Dodgers be allowed to go back and remind themselves, Ooh, do not yeah. take this for granted. 2022 Dodgers. Mm-hmm. If you would have put me up against 2022 Dodgers. Wow. The 22 Dodgers did to me what your 2001 Mariners. Did. Correct. And, yeah. and, and I, and I was thinking about that when I was, when we were breaking it down the postseason mm-hmm. last year, Yeah, I go, I'm telling you, these Dodgers have to beware. They've had such a magical season. And you're just sitting around waiting. Mm-hmm. You haven't played a real passionate, competitive game probably since the All-Star break because you just blew away the yeah. field. And now all these, all of a sudden, especially in today's game, 
with so many seats at the table in the postseason, you get some of these teams that just get in at the last moment. They've been playing playoff games right. for the whole whole month of September. Yeah. And they walk in and go, yeah, I know you guys are good, but you haven't been playing these playoff games. We're, we're ready to go here. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're not ready. And a Padres team comes in, gets hot at the right time, 89 wins, and knock off 111 win yeah. Dodgers. And the Dodgers probably had the same reaction I did getting on the bus at Yankee Stadium, looking at my teammates go, did that just happen? Yeah. I'll guarantee you that's what the Dodgers yeah. were thinking a year ago. That's why this year I see the Dodgers quietly winning 100 games. Mm-hmm. They've learned their lessons. They're down a Turner, two Turners, yeah. and a Bellinger who's probably comeback player of the year. You have an Urias scandal. You lost nine starting pitchers this Kershaw's, yeah. Kershaw's getting not getting any younger, but still pretty darn efficient. Where's Bueller? Uh, Gonsolin's gone. Wow. Bueller hasn't pitched all year. Dustin May's gone. But I watched them play in September, and I watched them play Seattle mm-hmm. in September, and they swept them. And it was like men playing with boys. It and was. That Seattle team is a good team. Yeah. They got a really talented pitching staff. And those Dodgers came into town, and it was like the men playing with the boys. And I went, I started to pay attention to the Dodgers at that point. That team's really good. But I think Brian Roberts, who's been at the helm for a lot Dave of years. Roberts. I'm sorry, Brian. Brian, the second base for the Baltimore Orioles. Hmm. Dave Roberts, mm-hmm. he's been around. He's had a lot of success with that Dodgers organization. Uh, I think he learned from that a year yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. And he's preparing these guys, and these guys are laying in the weeds right now. And I think they learned a lot. I, I That 2001 Mariner team, and that division was so good at that time. We won 116 games. Yeah. Uh, Oakland A's won 104. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, how does, how does it feel to win 104? And he lost a division by 12. Yeah. By 12. And then in 2002, <laughs> I look, that's when the Angels went on that unbelievable run and ended up winning the World Series. Yeah. We saw the Nationals do it with your dad. Yeah. We won 93 games. We missed the playoffs by six games. That's amazing. I mean, they they won 99 games, the uh the Oakland A's. We yeah. won 93. Now Nowadays, you're getting in. There's some teams in the postseason right now with 84 wins. Yeah. yeah. So it, it it's different. I wish we had a chance with that O two or O three Mariner team to get to the postseason and make another run out. I think we would have done it differently and maybe had a chance, but we never got that chance. Jeff Passan had a crazy stat today. I don't know if you saw it, but Jeff Passan said since they've gone to the playoff format in fifty four years, fourteen that, times, only fourteen times has a team with the best record won the World Series. Wow! Yeah. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah that, yeah, that blew me away. But you're right. It's when you when you get hot. And Especially I mean, today. Phillies were the last team in last year, and they got hot. How about you know? Let's go back to my childhood. 1980. I'm 10 years old, mm-hmm. and uh, Dad's Phillies won the World Series that year. Mm-hmm. They ended up beating the Royals. Had an unbelievable series yeah. with the Houston Astros, and and it's on crazy man. You see it, it all the time. It's on classic classic yeah. games, and it came on. I don't know a few weeks ago, and I remember looking at it, going, "Wow, that was back." when truly the best teams played. Yeah. yeah. Because you played 162, and only two teams yeah. in each league were standing. So you truly were the best team over the marathon. Mm-hmm. Only four teams got in the playoffs. Now there's 12. Yeah. So now that, that makes sense that maybe the best team. Now, if I'm holding the trophy at the end of the season, I'm going to declare that I'm the best team. You are. Yeah. But it just goes to show you in a 111-win te- team, They've got to win three rounds. Exactly. Whereas before there was one team, you have one epic yeah. playoff, and then you're in the World Series. So it's a lot it was a lot tougher to get there, but once you got there, it was a lot easier to win. Now it's much easier to get there. 
But man, there's a lot of hand grenades waiting for you in that postseason to jump over. It's it's. I think it's great for the game. I wouldn't have it any other way. I think they set it up perfect because you keep so many teams and so many cities in it for so fan much bases time. too. Booney, last one from me. One thing we saw this year with the rule changes, people talk a lot about games being cut down by 20 minutes. But the thing that I enjoyed this year was the return of the stolen base. Mm-hmm. Because you talked about a guy like Otis Nixon. And and that was a guy, right? I mean, we saw it with Acuna. And it, it was funny. My son, who's 15 and loves the game, and we would go out. And I was talking to him, and I said, it's crazy. When you had somebody like Hassan Kim who could steal, still close to 40 bases this year, which is pretty cool. But all of a sudden, he's at second base, and and Fernando's coming up, or Xander's, or Soto. Point of the game is to score runs. And when a guy's at second base and a, a single in the gap, that scores the run. For you, looking at the rule changes that were put in, uh, for me, it was the stolen base. Was there something you looked at and you said, man, I really like that? And by the same regard, was there anything you looked at and go, yeah, we didn't really need that? Maybe we're getting a little too cute. Well, I don't think you need the bigger bases. Oh, yeah. I agree. But I have to tip my cap to Major League Baseball because I was, uh, and I've learned at this stage of my life, not to just dismiss things out of hand. Mm-hmm. Have an open mind. Mm-hmm. And when they announced the rules this winter, I just thought, you know, us as players, we have pride in being the only major sport that doesn't have a clock. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're going to drop a clock on it. You know, my brain starts going, well, how am I going to get the signs for third base? And I think, well, they don't even get signs anymore anyway. So that's going through my mind. What if a bug flies in my eye? Or are they going to call a strike when, you know, to end the game in the ninth and game six? You know, so my brain goes there. Like, how am I going to have enough time? Now, as a hitter, I'm thinking, well, I wasn't a guy that took forever, but I definitely wasn't fast either. But I could adapt to that with a little mm-hmm. practice. Just know that I got 20 seconds to be ready. It's not a big deal. Uh, but from the pitcher standpoint, they're not used to it. Some guys work really slow. Is it going to be for an Adam Wainwright? Let's just say, for argument's sake, he was a real slow worker. Kershaw is a real slow used worker. Used to be Snell was a close. Uh, yeah, it's mm-hmm. like all of a sudden these guys are, Kershaw's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he just happens to, for argument's sake, be a slow worker. All of a sudden you're going to make Clayton Kershaw pitch fast and not be the same pitcher? That's not going to be good for the game. Anyway, long story short, I think it was unbelievable. I'm I mean, with on you. this side of the mic, it's so great to be able to, you know, because we can't watch every game. But if there's right. a, uh, a series that we're covering and we need to watch it, it's nice to know that I'm going to come home and it's two hours and 20 minutes yes. and it's I'm not four you. hours and 15. And it really wasn't an issue. And after a couple months, everybody getting used to it, the clock was not even an issue. Right. The games were quicker. They were crisp. I think it encouraged putting the ball in play because it's like, I, I got to be ready. So I'm in hitter's mode from the get-go. Uh, I think you're exactly right. It wasn't, yeah, base stealing is easier now, especially mm. for elite base stealers. I mean, yeah. I talked to Mike Cameron the other day. I said, Cammy, how <laughs> many bases you add and when you right. know we can only throw over twice? He's like, oh, 15. I said, okay. But that the point was they wanted to encourage that. You brought that yeah. up, uh, Jeff, was they encourage base stealing again. So people are starting to move on the base. I yeah. think that's good for the game. There's more action. Um the only thing I'll critique, and I think it's obviously I'm biased, I'm a hitter. You have to engage the pitcher at the eight-second mark. Mm, yeah. But the pitcher doesn't have to throw the pitch until the zero on the clock. Sure, sir. So he can hold it on me every time. And if I was a pitcher, if Jamie Moore is pitching, he's going to be playing games with you all day long. Yeah. And it's within the rules. As a hitter, whenever a pitcher would play games with me, I always had 
the counter chess move, time out. You want to play that game? We can do exactly. this all day. Right. Now, all of a sudden, he can hold it on me every time, and I, have, I don't have a retort. I can't get back at him. So, as much as I think everything went great this year, and, and I really, I, I'm, I'm kind of grasping at straws now, I think they need to change that clock from the eight-second engagement rule, bring it down to like a four. Oh, so, go. as many games ca- can't be played, the, the chess match, because right now it really has an advantage for the pitcher. I'm 100% with Brett on this. Number one, the, the, the pace of play, but as a coach, you always say, as a batter, you dictate the pace of the game, yeah. and then you used to tell the pitcher the same thing. You dictate the pace of the game. And so, as he said, he could call time and the pitcher could step off the mound. But you never let a pitcher get into a rhythm and work at his same pace. Yeah. As a batter, you, you had to disrupt it. But it, now it forces the game to go on. I was not a fan of the the clock rule at first, just like you. That's what I loved about the game. But, man, I hate it now without it. And I just coached four high school games this weekend. I was like, fuck, throw the ball. You know, there's no clock in high school baseball. Just throw the ball over. You already. know what the brilliance of it is, though? We really didn't change anything. We have gotten as athletes, and and my era was guilty of it as well. We got into that. Just take your time. Fucking we'll no more. All, <laughs> we'll be all. We'll be here all day. But if you yeah. if you if you chronicle the game and you go back in the history, in the seventies, games were played quick, really quick. Yeah. Oh yeah, it looked like the pitchers were balking it's all the just, time. It, so I look at it. It's like, <laughs> yeah. man, my generation's part of the problem. Why? Yeah. why you know, I'm yeah, complaining true. about commercials and all this stuff, but it's the way we kind of methodically went about it. Because hey. I'm a professional. I need to do it my way. Well, now it's like, well, your way's great, but you need, you got 20 seconds. Yeah. And I think it's great. And all it did was, like you said, it's easier to steal bases right now. Yeah, which makes it fun. But that wasn't the point. The point was to encourage you to steal bases. Yeah. It's not to put a clock on it. It was to kind of shake up the modern-day athlete and say, hey, Let's get it like it was in the 70s. This is the way we play. This is the pace we used to play at. And whatever reason, we've gotten away from it with walk-up songs and all this yeah. stuff. Let's swift it. So I think I have to say it was a genius move right. on both sides. They genius right. move. And, and I never saw it coming. I never thought for – I thought maybe it'd be uh, – it'll be okay. I never thought I'd be sitting here just saying baseball hit a home run. Yep. I'm with you. Uh, Booney, you're the greatest. Was that Boone approved? <laughs> that is that is Boone approved. If I, if I have my stamp, let oh, people know where the podcast is because it's amazing. Podcast is uh, Odyssey. We I've I've teamed up with Odyssey Sports, and uh, it, it's pretty much anywhere you get your podcast. You can go, you know, Odyssey app, obviously for the ultimate. They put all my stuff, you know, other than podcasts. Any any radio stations I, I go on that are in the Odyssey family. They're all be on the on the Odyssey app and the Odyssey website. But pretty much wherever you get podcasts. We we put out three a week. Yeah. And uh, you know, one's a recap and, and two are usually interviews. For the postseason I'm gonna do more uh you know today, the day of the game. Let me give you my analysis for what I might have some guests on talking, you know commentators in the game, analysts uh, that you see on TV might might come on and give me their take because after a while I get sick of hearing myself break <laughs> break a series down. Yeah, I can man. only do it so much, so I like to hear other guys do it. But, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it. The Odyssey jump has, has been really good, and uh, we'll just keep He's going. killing it. But I, get the emails so from, I get the emails from Odyssey just because I'm part of that Odyssey family, yeah. and uh, the one I got last week was Brett has one of the top five podcasts on all the whole Odyssey family. So Had Kurt Schilling on a couple up. of weeks ago, right? Controversial, isn't it? 
But uh, Jesus, man, that, was you, that on? Was that, that on your was, show? No, 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 no. Okay, okay. No. For, well, we might as well tell the story real quick for people. Kurt Schilling last Tuesday announced that uh, Tim Wakefield was dealing with a brain tumor and upset the entire family, pretty much Red Sox nation, who didn't. And then we lost Tim Wakefield. Uh, yeah, your brother yesterday. must be like a horse's ass. They keep showing the highlight of your brother hitting the home run off. Well, of I, I was floored by that too because Timmy uh, Wake okay, over there laughing. Wake was your a, own joke. Wake was somebody else is laughing. Wake was a great guy. Thirty-three percent liked it. <laughs> this guy. I played against Wakefield starting in A ball. Yeah, he was a position player turned into a knuckleball. Yeah. I remember he was with the Pirates. Yeah, and I said, "Yeah, Booney, this guy Wakefield, he throws a knuckleball." I'm coming out of college. I've never seen a knuckleball before. So I right. I started in A ball with Wake and played against him my entire career. Uh, played in a golf tournament with him about a year ago. Had no idea he was sick. Oh, I, was sick I think a year ago. I think he the was. family was really close to the vest with it. Wanted to be real private about it. And I'll tell you, Schilling. Uh, whether you love him, whether you don't, very controversial uh, figure. But I'll tell you what. You know, I thought about this, and I saw the Twitter, and, man, they were getting after him. Oh, yeah. I, I truly don't think that he was told to keep it quiet, and he just went and blurted it out. Mm. I think it was like... He didn't know. Here's a... He knew? No, no, you're saying he didn't know. I I don't know any of the, any of the backstory, but I can't imagine Schilling... Hearing from the family and the boss, and hey, we want to keep this private, and then going on a show and blabbing. Right. I think this this was Kurt Schilling on his show. Uh, he was a teammate with with Timmy, and it was probably maybe they were close. I don't know their relationship, but he was just kind of grieving on air and and let it out of the bag. I don't think he meant to hurt anything or disrespect yeah. or disrespect the family. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Twitter, you know, because he's low hanging fruit. Get, yeah, you're going to get killed. But but then it, I didn't ex- I didn't know he was that close. Right. And then all of a sudden I saw Timmy died, and that was tough. I, like I said, I just played at a golf tournament with him about a year ago, and and I I had no idea. So that that was a tough loss. Um, the one thing about Kurt, and I had him on my show, and I'll I'll finish with this. Played against him a long time. He was a great pitcher when he came up with that split, and he was in Arizona. He's elite for me. He wasn't that guy when he was with the Phillies. He was good. Yeah. When he got to the Diamondbacks, he had that split. Him and Randy were the one-two. He was as good as it got uh, for me. Yeah. Evaluating as a hitter to pitch. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I always – that I was never teammates with him, never knew him well at all. You know, baseball players, we, we meet at an event here and there. I didn't know Kurt Schilling. But my grandpa, Ray Boone, signed Kurt Schilling. Oh, wow. Oh. He was the scout that, that drafted Kurt. And I remember when I was a kid, Gramps said, yeah, this Schilling guy's got a chance to be good. You Baltimore? Know, Gramps would always... Was it from- yeah, it was Baltimore. No. I thought it was his first team was Baltimore. Boston. Then he went to Baltimore. Really? He got traded. Yeah, Whoa. but Grandpa, Grandpa signed him. And he always told me, Gramps goes, yeah, the Schilling guy's going to be good one day. Nice. And this is when I'm in high school. And uh, He signed him out of a JC, Correct. I think so. Yeah. In the Arizona. reason I, I... Yeah, Arizona was Gramps' territory. Yeah. The, only, the only team Gramps ever scouted for was the Boston Red Sox. But then my grandpa passed away in 2004. Yeah. And I remember we were having the uh, celebration of life. It wasn't a funeral. I remember it, it was tough for me because Gramps was my guy and my dad couldn't get through the eulogy. So I had to do it. And it was tough for me. And I remember a car pulled up and Kurt Schilling got out of the car. So he flew in, 
took a car to Gramps' eulogy, didn't make a big deal about it, didn't come over and see us, just was paying his respects. He got back in the car and he left. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I looked at him and I said, that, that's pretty cool right there. Yeah. And, that, and that resonated with me. It's been with me for a long time. I haven't talked to him probably since we both retired. Yeah. Uh, and I had him on the podcast. Really interesting. Really a smart guy. Like you said, he gets into the politics. He's very controversial. Man, he's a good evaluator. He really talks the game through the pitcher's eyes. He's really good, but yeah, he did get to, some trouble. Okay, well, here's what's kind of funny. To show you what a good eye your grandfather had, my, my good buddy and, and Jeff's friend, Brian Lozier, was a high school mm. teammate of his, of Kurt Schilling's. Okay. He was the third pitcher on a high school team. <laughs> like, nobody saw it in Kurt Schilling. Like, he says all the time, I don't know how the fuck this happened. And then, sure enough, your grandfather saw something in him yeah. to sign him. Yeah. I mean, third pitcher on a high school team, that's insane. And yeah. then your, your grandfather saw something because yeah. he's the guy. Yeah. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I don't know if he ever gets in, but I think he's a Hall of Famer. Even with the fake sock? I'm kidding. <laughs> we all know it's fake. Come on. Booney, he didn't fake the sock, did he? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, thank you so much um, for coming down here, man. I'll tell you. Take it. For me, Schilling, is he a Hall of Famer? With some guys I've seen get in and guys... I've seen that should be in that aren't in. He's on the fence for me because he's right there. Like I said, beginning of his career. Big games, big player, big man. Games. Philly, Arizona, Philly, the Red Sox. Philly, he was a really good pitcher. Second half of his career, he was elite. Yeah, he I was agree. a yeah. legit number one. But did he do it long enough? Is my question. It's like he's B- got Bumgarner. You went the, back to Bumgarner. He probably won't be a Hall of Famer because the postseason of it. resume speaks for itself. Right, biggest stage, but three different teams. Yeah, but but all pitchers don't have the good fortune to get to the big stage like he did all those times. I got it. But I'm not saying. Hey, once he got there, he delivered. Yeah. I'm not going to be angry. Which if is he, weird. I'm not going to say he shouldn't be in if yeah. he's in, and I'm not going to say fight that he should be in if he's out yeah. so that's where he is for me which is he's funny because of, could be a oh, of he's right yeah. i mean because I, damn it it w- could go either way without a doubt and that's my honest answer yeah, with Shelley. yeah without a doubt scherzer and kershaw are both in the in the hall of fame First bout. and both those guys are two of the worst postseason pitchers of all time but i don't and barry, barry, was in the same barry bonds until the end of his career until he was faced horrible. the Angels in 2002 in yeah. the World in Series. In the postseason. He was. I put no credence in that. Yeah. I, I, I judge you on the, the body of work, not a postseason. When you're Barry Bonds, when, you're, when you get to the postseason, you're treated differently than everybody else in the lineup. Yep. Now, you need, and eventually he learned how to handle that. He did. But it's different when you're the three-hole hitter in our day. Now the two-hole hitter. Yeah. <laughs> but in our day, three-four, you were the guy. You get pitched a little differently than you do all around you. So you got to you got to put that in the equation, and it gives other people a chance to shine. But I really, I'm not a ring guy. You got to win rings to do this because I know how hard the rings are. Some of the greatest players I've ever seen, greatest player I ever played with, Ken Griffey Jr. Not only did he not win a ring, he never got to a World Series. Tony so Banks, I can't. Thing. I can't put the postseason. Uh, that 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 pads your resume. If you're already a Hall of Famer, it makes you a shoe in for me. But I'm not going to judge guys that, let alone, didn't get there very often, or maybe they got there once and didn't have a good showing. I'm not. Uh, that's not going to. They're not going to lose any points for me. If they ask me, I'll leave. I'll, this would be my last thing, uh, and then we'll tell you how you can play Brett for immaculate grid because he's a star in that game. Uh, Brett, to me, 
I bet if we walked through Cooperstown, the three of us, we walked through and we looked at different plaques. To me, the only thing that I would say, and I'm not a Schilling fan, but I admire him for what he did in those situations. To your point with Griffey, offense and, and a pitcher versus batter. I look at that guy, Schilling, and I say so many times in that situation, when it's all on the line, is this the guy I want? And and you go, yeah, that's the guy I want. And Smoltz, I bet, Smoltz was like that. Right, yes. but he's in. And Maddox is in. And Smoltz's body of work. I got it. I got it. You know, but he, he's... He, I, I saw Smoltz when he was a closer. Yeah. And he was one of the best closers in the Crazy, world. Crazy, right? And he was just doing it like he... It was like a, a hobby. He didn't even have to work at it. I remember Smoltzy closing games, throwing knuckleballs, <laughs> and just messing around like, my stuff's so good. Smoltzy said this to me, and, and I, I love Smoltz. He's, he's probably the most confident, and I play with a lot of confident people. He's probably the most confident player I've ever played with. Really? When it comes to golf, ping pong, darts, pitching. Even hitting. And I tell Smoltz. The More time, than I, Maddox. I told Smoltz. I, I saw him at uh, MLB Network. I went down there and did a few takes. And I see Smoltz. I said, Smoltz, do me a favor. I think you do a great job. I said, but talk from a pitcher's perspective. Mm. Because you have instant credibility with me. You can't hit. You quit <laughs> acting like you can hit. He might have been a little offended by it. But who cares? Now, I love Johnny. He's the most confident person I've ever. He mm. said to me one time. He goes, Booney, because his arm, he always had a sore elbow, always, throughout his career, it plagued him. That's why he had to move to the, yeah, bullpen. the bullpen, because yeah. he was an over-the-top guy, and he had to change his arm angle, but he couldn't go a lot of innings from, from a different arm angle. And he said to me one day, he goes, Booney, he goes, if my arm felt good every day, he goes, I'd win 30 games minimum. Jesus. And I looked at him, yeah. and he, like, believed it, and hitting against him all those years in Cincinnati... I actually believe. I've heard hitters say that he's the, he had the best stuff of all time. Nasty, small. The, the thing that was so great about that that team was you had three legit number ones, and all couldn't be more different. Tom Glavin's the second best lefty I've ever seen. I'm going to put Randy number one. Mm -hmm. But every lefty I've ever seen, Tom Glavin's the second best. Unbelievable changeup that never got there. It's just different. They said, "Well, it's just a changeup." I said, "No, mm -hmm. Trevor Hoffman's changeup yeah. wasn't a changeup." Yeah. He was that of the left-hander. So you'd have him one day. You got Maddox, who's an absolute, like, it, it was like playing against a robot. Yeah. Like, he just hit his spot, like, dink. It, like, he never had a bad outing. His bad outing was he'd give up three and seven. That was yeah. like getting shelled for Maddox. Then you get Smoltz, who was more of the, the you know, over-the-top, good heater, slider. But all three of them just nasty. And uh, I was glad for 99. That was the first thing I thought about when I got traded to the Braves. I remember Oral Hershazer. I'm hitting golf balls at the range. Hershazer comes back. Hey, Booney, you're going to get a chance to go to the postseason because I got traded. You got a good chance to go to the World Series. And, and I said, World Series? I don't really care. All I know is I don't have to face them anymore. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> and uh, I, I, got to, I, got a, you know, I got a reprieve for one year. Dave, if you play Immaculate Grid, our friend Brett Boone, Seattle, San Diego, Atlanta, Cincinnati, but then he sneaks in there with the gutty little Minnesota Twins, Booney. I didn't miss anybody, right? Yeah, for about two weeks. That's all right. He qualifies. He qualifies. I don't even. I don't even. I, I, 
I on bubblegum cards that I sign, I cross out the Minnesota. <laughs> why do you do that? For? <laughs> that's Brent's. Why, so why are you so grouchy? So great. Actually, you wore the same it, uniform. It's more as about me. That was the end. And I was in a bad place, and I stunk. So it's almost <laughs> like I'm, I'm more embarrassed that it, that I was you there. You wore the same uniform my boyhood hero Butch Weiniger and Bombo Rivera wore. You'd be proud of Butch me. Butch Weiniger, I remember, like that. That. I remember that. Come on, Booney. Twins fans loved having you there. Yeah, for that two weeks. For that two weeks. You're the greatest, buddy. We'll be listening to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks again, uh, Brett Boone. Uh, hey, want to mention our good friends over with uh, San Diego Lending. And, of course, that's one friend. That's Dan Williams. Yeah, all of them. Oh, my God. What a group, Dave. So many names to, to mention. We're just going to focus on Dan for tonight. We'll get to the rest of the... I just looked over at the paper and went, I guess we're doing Dan. Sorry. There you go. Well, Dan, hey, man, he's a one-man show that does everything. Look, Dan is your guy, though, when it comes to finances. Jeff mentioned it during the show, but man, he has helped both of us out and many of our friends out as well. I also want to remind you, of course, about the home buying season. Make sure that people will need to be qualified. And look, Dan has said all along that him and, and Brian Curry are working together. Get approved, not just pre-qualified. Understand the financials of home buying. Don't get outbid. Call Dan Williams today, 858-688-6813. Uh, Dave, if you drive out the eight, uh, you're kind of close to Alpine. And if you kind of look down, I'm trying to think what that is, maybe right before Tavern Road, you look down and your eye can be caught by a building that says Casino. Now, it's not Viejas <laughs> and it's not Pachanga. It's not Palma Valley. I know you love that one. I, lo I know you love Casino Palma because you go every year uh, to see Kansas when they come out because you love dust in the wind. So I just looked. I said, hey, what the hell's going on down here? Well, I went down, hung out, had some eggs, Benedict. And the next thing I knew, Dave, I had lost $17,000 <laughs> playing Keno. Now, the good thing is Dan had helped me with my finances. And so I could absorb that. But the problem was I spent another 4000 and spilled liquor. And that's probably not a number I could absorb. So the one thing I'll be doing tomorrow when technically I should be working, wink, wink, is I will be on our website, DaveAndJeffShow.com, watching 10 short but incredibly helpful videos. I don't know if it tells you how to avoid getting off the side of the road for the casino, but I sure hope it does. Uh, it's going to help me understand money, master my cash and my debts. Now I'm going to watch them and then give Dan a call or drop him an email. That email, Dave, it's part of the whole team over there at San Diego Lending. <laughs> uh, Dan's email is daniel at sandiegolending.us. And then give him a call at 858-688-6813. Brian Curry is the guy, of course, he's working with. We've known Brian for a long time. And Brian's the guy that will handle the sale of your home. Make sure that you want to get the most for it. There's only one guy to call. It's Brian Curry. If you're looking to stay in San Diego County, nobody knows the county better than Brian Again, he is the best in the business. He's been doing this more than 25 years. Top 1% internationally as far as his success rate. Very, very good. Brian Curry's number, 619-251-1588. 619-251-1588. Dave mentioned it. It's top 1% internationally. I went today. I thought, you know what, Dave? I love Brian Curry, but let me just check. So I went and checked with everybody in Cambodia. No, didn't find anybody with higher numbers. Went and checked <laughs> in Turkey. Nobody. Spain, Portugal, uh, the USSR. I checked everywhere. Nope, nobody could beat Brian Curry. Uh, where was the other one I checked? Of course, uh, Prince Edward Island in Canada. Nobody, nobody getting better results than Brian. And who could, uh, who could even try that? Phone number is six one nine two five one one five eight eight. Last night, 
Yeah. Cade, a little under the weather. We, we brought him home. He's feeling much better today. Jack and I went out. We had a little time to kill. We went down to the beach in Coronado. But it was actually kind of that beach further south kind of part of the strand. Yeah. Oh, my God. So great. We had such a good time just hanging out. And then uh, from there into IB. And the one thing I read, where the little IB local paper, Dave, I'm not kidding, is there is a concerted effort to get the whole sewage thing taken care of. And they're grinding for our friends in IB. I used to joke about it because of how gross that water is. But it's not fair to the residents down there. It's probably one of the coolest hidden gems in this town. And uh, if you want to live down there, Brian can help you do it. 619-251-1588. Also, don't forget about Alan Taylor, Taylor May Pools. Guess what? Santa Ana's are coming back. It's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. You're going to wish you had that pool. Look, Alan Taylor standing by. Ask about available financing. 619-449-4452. 619-449-4452. Friday night, I was at Pechanga Arena. Yeah, I saw. Uh, with Vita. Yeah. I was there. Had a great time. Thanks to uh, Pete in Coronado. Hooked me up with tickets because Pete was at the game with Jay Posner. Oh, really? We watched the Kings steamroll the Ducks. Not anybody. Big surprise. But then who'd we run into but Alan and Amy? Okay. It was like a family reunion. Had a blast. And Amy said, hey, listen, calm down on the celebrity pools. <laughs> I said, hey, you listen. I'm going to do five, and then I'm going to do another five on top of that. She said, you won't. I said, I will. <laughs> None of that happened. Uh, <laughs> so great to see him. Good. Alan wearing his Kings jersey. Good. I didn't know he was a Kings fan. That's awesome. People walk around. They go, is that Andre Kopitar? They said, oh, God, no. That's Alan from TaylorMade Pools. Uh, new construction, complete remodels, as we tell you, using the high, highest quality materials and workmanship. Dave, who do you feel like? I never give you the opportunity to do a celebrity pool. Who do you feel like doing one? Because I had an... I had one I was pretty locked in on, and then I'll tell you why I changed. We're going to go Maureen McCormick. Who? Marsha. Oh, Marsha. Who was the... I was thinking of the singer. <laughs> no, um, for the Brady Bunch. Yeah. Uh, my sons and I... What shows are you watching right now? Are you watching any shows? I told him, man. I'm still watching uh, Shameless. I, as, as embarrassing it is that I watch all those Real Housewife shows, uh, uh, the newest one I'm watching, which might be better than all of the Housewife shows, is that Southern Charm. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, I know you wouldn't. Bunch of good-looking girls. I just uh, Takes set place up in South Carolina. I set up on the DVR on uh, that Bachelor with that old goat, that old flat ass. How's that I, working for him? I, I missed episode oh, one. Shit. I wasn't paying attention. You so gotta I'm, let me know what you think of the girls. I can't wait because they're all gonna be like, ah, oh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be all tingly in the fingers. Am I having a stroke? All of these chicks. So uh, we're watching that. Well, I'll probably be the only one watching that. Survivor's back, 90-minute episodes. It was great the other night. A lot of people, either you liked them or you didn't. Right out of the gate. Same thing. Hadn't watched, uh, Kate and I hadn't watched Amazing Race in like three years. That was pretty fun. Started with the Biltmore, downtown LA, Dave. But then we watched this show on Fox, Special Forces, and it's where the the guy that used the guy who lives down here in East Lake, Dan's buddy, was a part of it oh, really? last year. And last year it was great because uh, Piazza was on it, Danny Amendola was on it, Dwight Howard, um, Scaramucci. Okay, right. 
So this year we're looking and we go, hey, who were some of the people? And there's yeah. a bunch. Of, your guy Tom Sandoval was he on there? He's on there. He did good. Did he? He did good. Sucked. He said, you know what he said for his reason there. Now he's probably trying to buy some votes. But he said, last year, I was probably one of the most hated guys in America. Last year, still is. No, but that's what he was saying. Yeah. And he said, it's been a really, really hard year. And he said, I came here to just kind of get the shit beat out of me because I think I need it. And the SEALs were like, yeah, we're going to beat the shit. <laughs> uh, but you know who else was on there, who Dave? Else? The girl whose poster, up until about 10 days ago, was right there in the left corner until I said, hey, you may want to take that down. Tara Reed. Oh, wow. Tara Reed, what's that? How did she look? She looked like Tara looked like she might have uh, run a tab at the oh, Chico Club a little bit, same. but she did good. Okay, she hung in and and talked about the fact. You know what was, dude? Take a shot, Tara Reed's low hanging fruit, and she said, "You know, I can't do American Pie anymore." And she goes, yeah. "You look at your social media, and people are insulting you every day." Yeah, and she goes, "It's really hard." I'll she stop. goes, I, "You're trying to get your." Trying to do something for yourself. So, I don't know. I've we'll been crossing the line, obviously. What'd you just I've say? I've been crossing the line. I apologize. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Bully. Hey, being a bully isn't funny, Dave. Okay? Be better. Yeah, with your stupid fucking joke in here. <laughs> you know, you got laughing, embarrassing us in front <laughs> of the guests. I'm to justify it with the math. It's so stupid. <laughs> Did you see... Oh. I, I had a lot of people yeah. that were upset. I know we had to talk about flukes. Yeah. A lot of people were upset because I posted the picture of you because I from KUSI yesterday on Twitter. Oh, I didn't see it. That was out all day yesterday, man. And so I said, listen, this guy's going to get on your nerves a lot over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. I said, just remember, he's the guy who suggested uh, they trade Fernando Tatis for a backup catcher. J.T. <laughs> Ramuto, you asshole. <laughs> and then I had one other stat that I threw out there that, yeah, that may not have been exactly spot on either. But the thing that I used was the picture um, of of you from KUSI. Oh, fuck. Wearing the Dodger shirt? Yeah. And I said, oh, I said, if this guy gets on your last nerve over the next couple of weeks, it's okay. He's the guy who suggested trading Tatis for a backup catcher. And also said uh, J Justin Herbert would be a bust. And I wrote KUSI got it right because they wrote Dave Palais, Dodgers fan and local idiot. Remember? <laughs> yeah, I remember. I had more people that were so upset on your behalf. Oh, that's nice. Where the hell does KUSI get off doing that? Do they look at some of the people they have on? I go, you fucking idiot. I go, it's one of our friends that's a producer. Yeah. That was, the, hey, just turn that up. It's not like we're trying Dude, to do I didn't a show. I touch anything. You saw it. I watched it. What like you just turned about? it up. But the idea that they put that on yeah. the graphic. Uh, I know. What the fuck? When people were so mad on your behalf, like you weren't in on the yeah, joke. Yeah. Yeah. KOSI told me to wear the Dodger jersey and the hat. And right. then the weather girl, who's a permanent fixture on that, that station now, yeah. literally cussed me out the second I walked in the door. She didn't know me for shit. No. She just hated the fact I was wearing a Dodgers shirt. But the graphic read, Dave Ballet, Dodgers fan, and local idiot. It's was great. that so blonde? It probably was. It was probably Tommy that said that whole thing. But, I had no idea until I got home. Like, I had no idea what it said under my face. So many people so upset <laughs> yeah. on your behalf. I was like, I don't think Dave got home and went, what? Yeah, no, I did, <laughs> I did not. Oh, drive. Put I'm Dave driving back show. to the station. I'm driving yeah. back. <laughs> 
<laughs> no. We are a little gullible in this I, town. I did not. I got to ask you right after we did this, I got to ask you about when you were a husband because I, I think I failed a major test this oh, weekend. Oh, yeah. All right. I remember those days. All right. So, uh, again, Kyle Fluger's your guy when it comes to your website and, of course, all your computer needs. Again, Kyle Fluger has opened up his own brand new business at Mithril Media. Don't forget, you can find him at mithrilmedia.io. If you don't know how to spell it, I'm going to give you his phone number. It's 619 500 6621. 619-500-6621, off if you mention the Dave and Jeff show. Well, I, I got to tell you, Dave, there's not a lot that I look at with flugs where you go, that's a negative. As a matter of fact, I'm a huge fan of his uh, to the point that we've recommended Julie Brown and Katie yep. Temple, Sean Walchev. So many have had incredible success. My friend Catherine said, hey, um, I'm building a website. I said, there's nobody better than flugs. Mention Dave and Jeff. And... Uh, you'll get 10% off. So she sends me a text today yeah. and she said, Hey, I'm on a conference call with Kyle, Boy, this guy's great. I really appreciate you sending him my way. I said, he's the best. I said, Hey, if you get a chance in the call, ask him how fantasy football went because we <laughs> matched up in our league. David was close to the end, but the final score for my team was 146.90 to 101. That's his first loss. Wasn't it? Yeah. Good for you. So uh, she said at the end of the call, hey, Kyle, this is really great. I'm enjoying it. Hey, how'd fantasy football go over the weekend? And he just writes me a text, and it read, dick move, Dotson. <laughs> I said, what? I was not part of that decision. Oh, but my gosh. The, uh, all can decide. I mean, look at our website. Go to DaveAndJeffShow.com. If you think either one of us had anything to do with that website, yeah. you're out of your mind. Flugs is the only guy that can make this show look respectable. And so, I mean, if he could do it for us, Jesus, just think what he could do for you. Check it out. Mention our show. You got 10% off. All right. Here's my question for you. When you okay. used to do radio and you were married to Vita. Yes. Okay. So, the way it works out for Jeff and myself, number one, you never turn off. You're always thinking about the next show. Right. Even on a Friday. Right. You're thinking about the next show and you always look for something to add to the next one. And so you never feel like you're relaxed. So, you know, I, I mean, then you're tired of shit, by the way, because uh, you, you're waking up at you know, three tired. in the morning, four in the morning. And then you, you go in and you're doing the whole thing. So Fridays, I always used to kind of suck on Fridays. Like, I'm too tired to go out. Saturday, I would oh, yeah. try and do something. Sunday, we got to watch football. man. Right back in the grind. <laughs> so, so We have to. You do. So the way my schedule kind of works right now is I, I do this, I do the, a couple other shows, I do uh, coach baseball. So Thursday and Friday are kind of my my weekend days. All okay. right. Saturday, Sunday, I got a coach, got to watch the games. Anyway, Friday night we have to go to Rita and I have to go to a funeral for her mom's friend who passed, ninety six years old, longtime Ooh. family friend. Rita's known in them her whole life. We we go to the funeral. Saturday we go down to the Brigantine. Huh. down off the harbor you know sure. right off the water very nice have a good time and we're driving back and yeah, i'm gonna pat myself on the back and i said completely forgot what we did the night before mm. and i said hey i took you out twice this weekend oh boy and she just looked at me and goes you took me to a fucking funeral you asshole <laughs> and i was like shit we did go to a fucking funeral yeah. like i completely forgot that's what we did but i was bragging that hey see i'm not a bad guy i took yeah. one out and took her out twice you know what Dave? you want to know why you're off the hook why? Because I had a friend of mine who went through the same thing. Okay. Very, very high profile job. A lot of you know him. And he fought the same battle because no matter what it was, work, he felt like he was never 
never doing enough in her eyes. Yeah. So one night he just said, fuck it. We're going to go. We're going to go out. We're going to have a nice dinner and we're going to go see a show. That was my friend Abe Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking took one right in the back of the head. Fuck it, guys. The president frees the slaves. And guess what Mary's saying? Really? Can we just go to see a goddamn play? All right. Okay. I got tickets. Are we in the orchestra pit? Uh, no. Okay. I got them late from a guy. Where are we? In the balcony. We're going to have obstructive view. Fucking, eh, Mary? Are you fucking kidding me? We're going to the fucking play, okay? All right. What do you think, Mary? It's not bad. Gone. <laughs> no, I thought you did fine. Thanks. I'm just going to say this. It cost me $20. We'll get through it. I think this is the final thing. Two-minute thing. Otherwise, I'll forget. I think the Raiders may have something in Aiden O'Connell. And the one thing I, I too. the one thing I said to Jack was I never had any confidence watching Derek Carr. I have zero confidence in Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think they go back to. And the one thing that I saw in him yesterday was what happens to a lot of rookies. Enthusiasm, you kind of start thinking, oh, this is just like we did it at Purdue. Well, it's not, but we saw it here with Drew Brees. We saw it here with Rivers. When the moment yeah. gets a little big. You got sacked seven times. So you try and play dude, quarterback with guys coming in your face all afternoon. Well, that'd be it. Get the guy a towel. But I was trying to talk <laughs> about football. And, uh, and at the end, he's driving. It's exciting, right? I mean, dude, the Chargers up 24 to 7. Six sacks by Khalil Mack. Amazing. Technically a home game, a division game. Yeah. And they did everything they could to give that away. I, I don't want to say Aiden O'Connell is I like him. I'm, Troy I'm, Aikman, but he's got a little bit. It's what I was saying to Josh today. He's got a little bit of that it factor. Now, if he turns out to be Minshew, yeah. well, you didn't hear from me. <laughs> well, we both want Caleb Williams, but at the same time, I like that kid. Right? I, There's I, something I about that kid, Dave, right? AOC. I he's, like him. He's got a... Uh, He's got a little bit of a confidence yeah. factor without being, I didn't think he was cocky. No, not at all. And just a little rookie and through great play yep. uh, by, by Asante Samuel to read it perfectly. But holy shit, the last, whatever that was, 25 minutes of that game was so fun yesterday. Great win for the Chargers. But, um, and I think McDaniels will do what he's always going to do and fuck it up and give it back to Garoppolo. Real quick, if you're yeah. McDaniels, do you, do you, would you ride with O'Connell? They're going to give it back to Jimmy G. That's what he's there for, right? The general manager who's keeping your job. I mean, Josh McDaniels is going to be fired at the end of this year. He should be. Yeah, he'll be fired. I mean, you lost, anytime you lose three games in a row in the NFL, you're on the hot seat, unless you're Kevin O'Connell, who was right. first year head coach last year. It's just different. You they can't tried lose to lose that game, too. So, yeah. Uh, we'll come back Wednesday night, talk about everything. And then, uh, real quick, between now and then, uh, Melvin Preller, what's your? What's I don't your think guess? anything happens now. I'm a little disappointed there was no Preller out. Uh, I don't. I don't think so either. Yeah, I don't think anything happens. It's really frustrating to say run it back when you just told everyone Snell's not coming back, Hater's not coming back. You might lose Walk and Lugo, and you're going to run it back, and you're going to cut 50 million off your payroll. I mean, what the fuck's happening? Here? If you're going to trade Soto, but you're able to attach Cronenworth onto that deal, that becomes kind of interesting. We'll talk about that on yeah. Wednesday when we come back. 
but there's a whole lot going on. But but to me, what I said yesterday, and a lot of you agreed, this idea, and I like Kevin Acey, but this idea that everybody wins if you just let Bob escape to San Francisco, I think that's so disgusting. I think it's minor league. As right. I wrote the other day, Agreed. it would be another all-time low for a franchise that has a trophy case full yeah. of all-time lows instead of trophies. Okay. Don't they remember what happened the last time? Okay, I'm really glad you brought this up because you and Marty sent out the same tweet at the same time. Oh, I didn't see. I don't follow Marty. I know. Well, that was crazy because I know she didn't look at what you wrote and steal from you. But literally, huh. you guys sent out the exact same tweet at the same time. No kidding. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was nuts. Go, if you go back and look at it, you're like, who the fuck sent this first and who stole from that, which person? Nobody stole from each other. You guys just sent out the same tweet. No, and I dig Marty. Yeah, Marty's I know, been, I know Marty's been a friend. That's why I thought it was kind of funny the oh, way that's it worked. funny. Yeah. I gotta go. No, before, I just, we, before we walk out of here, because the playoffs start tomorrow, do you have a World Series prediction? Which matchup? Um, I mean, for me, the, the game, I mean, two teams I'm really enjoying. Watching Twins Toronto would be yeah. a lot of fun. Um, I do think Toronto wins that. Really, you, most experts are in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, Twins just, man, for whatever reason, they just cannot get out of the wild card. I'm all in on Boach, man. I, I would have loved to see them win that game yesterday to to avoid this. Yeah. But watching them play and watching Boach, you see Boach trying to bite the cork out of the bottle yeah. the yeah. other day. Um, I mean, Atlanta's so goddamn good, yeah. right, Dave? I, I, mean, I agree. Even though Brett said he picked the Dodgers, uh, oh, the Braves shit, are so dude. good. The Braves are so good. The Dodgers are really, really interesting to me. And I think Brett hit it on the head. After the disappointment of last year with everything that they've been through um, to get it. But, uh, I mean. I'm going Braves over Rays. That's what I'm going with. Braves over Rays. I had a crazy dream last week. Was Braves winning the World Series over the Rays? Uh Man, I know I picked the Rangers. Didn't I pick the Rangers did, at the but start? That was before you knew DeGrom was getting hurt in the dude, bullpen DeGrom's would fall hurt, apart. And Scherzer's hurt. Yep. And dude, they have such a long road to go. Yep. Uh I'll take I'll take uh I'll take the Braves over the I'll take the Rangers over the Braves. Okay. Why not? I'll there stick with Boch. I'd, I'd love to see I it. think the Braves win it, but I'll I'll stick with my guy Boach all the way through to the end. There you go. All right, we'll be back on Wednesday, everybody.
and blue like they make in the USA That guy with the attitude, he better go away Five-cent video game, put a smile on my face That stop sign was paralyzed, but I ran it anyway Soundproof fence and a handyman cussing on TV What Californian cuss their own Christmas tree? Boy, you better watch out for that sneaky back screen door I laughed so hard, I hardly before 